Hiya, Georgie. The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. Come with me if you want to live. Hi and welcome to Director Nowhere where I speak to a guest about one of their favourite directors. My name is Larry Reed and on this episode I'm very happy to welcome to Director Nowhere, Kevin Mann. How are you Kevin, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you for, for bringing me on and giving no me the opportunity to gush about a director. I'm, <laughs> I'm very excited. That's good, I'm glad to hear it. So can you tell a bit audience about, about what you do and what you, you're kind of known for? So I am a podcaster, and that is my job. I've been doing this now full-time for coming up on seven years shortly. Wow. I do the Attitude podcast and How To Wrestling, which are two wrestling-themed podcasts. And I also do a show called Cinema Swirl, where I have the unenviable task of introducing my friend Sam, who's never seen any movies, <laughs> to the world of Hollywood. And we're on yeah. to our 90-somethingth episode, wow, and I'm amazing. still... He hasn't seen Dumb and Dumber for Christ's sake, guys. What's going on that, there? Like? That is that is peak cinema to me. In fact, I, Dumb and Dumber <laughs> generally has to be one of my favorite movies. I love it. So the fact that Sam and obviously I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of obviously Attitude and How to, and I've been following along with Cinema Sorrow. So every time I see something come up from from you guys, I think he hasn't seen that. It just seems so like it's so it's so mental to me because. Um, I've sort of grown up and like watching, been having movies forced upon me, and also like just like generally having a great um, love for it. So when I see somebody that I hasn't seen Dumb and Dumber, I think you are the Dumb and Dumber of the of the this podcast. I mean, it definitely it definitely makes me feel like somehow I'm not doing my job because here I am eight years later, nearly at episode one hundred, and yet yeah. I still I feel like I'm trying to stop the tide. Like I feel like <laughs> the amount of movies he's not seen is simply insurmountable. But I'm gonna do my best. Do you, is there one specific film that you think that, that you are more surprised about him, him not seeing? I mean, it's got to be. I mean, the original one first, first and foremost was Star Wars. I mean, yeah, that one for yeah. me was because I mean, it's one thing saying, "Oh, I've not seen Star Wars," but like he hadn't seen any Star Wars like, yeah. at all, and like that for me, that's not just a movie or a couple of movies. That's like several. Like if I hadn't seen Star Wars as a kid, I wouldn't have read any books, for instance. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, so yeah, it's exactly. this, yeah, yeah. It's this kind of whole like entryway into another world. The other one, which we are going to be doing down the line i think we're going to save it for episode 100 possibly but uh, et he's not seen either but you know you can name a popular movie and he's not seen it other than titanic and avatar he has seen basically no movies other than ones (laughs) he's been required to watch for a podcast so that's why cinema swirl is always fun but i always appreciate coming on somewhere like here where i get to talk about movies and not do it as (laughs) the exacerbated teacher who has to help my friend figure out the world around yeah yeah that is is, is an, an interesting sort of um podcast format and it's, it's something that's kind of it's it's almost well if you what you're kind of doing with how to originally was like showing joe these these wrestlers and getting into these people and getting making them sort of the rich rich history of the of their kind of careers so seeing that kind of like sam sort of develop it almost like it's, it's kind of like a, a kind of origin story of watching somebody just yes. develop into <laughs> a, a film lover but you know step by yeah. step you know he's like growing to love these films and you think that maybe like we branch out into the next ones but 
obviously the I mean the real, of, the real question will be who have I made into a better fan have I made yeah. Joe a better wrestling fan or have I made Sam a better <laughs> film buff yeah, you, I think those are questions that are not for me to answer but that's for the audience that's very interesting that's interesting definitely <laughs> right um, so as I said myself I'm, I'm quite a big fan of actually obviously as a big wrestling fan for multiple years I remember you guys being on the Botchamania site um, so I'm, I'm kind of very glad to have you on as, as, some, as, as, some, as a fan so it's an awesome thing awesome experience for me to have you on and talk about movies with you know somebody that I appreciate on their own movie podcast so um just think we always like to kind of start the podcast with a little bit of a question about what's your kind of first kind of memories of film as a, as a kid what did you did you have a kind of uh, a favorite film as a child you know what, did, what was your kind of first film you saw I mean the very very earliest film memory that I like you know not just kind of something that was told to me something that I can remember quite clearly you know I can I can picture the early 90s sofet in my mind <laughs> the, the awful chairs <laughs> but I do remember I would have been no more than three years old my dad yeah. who was the film buff of the house aka the man who went to the video store and rented <laughs> some stuff for the weekends uh, he had put on unbeknownst to my mother uh predator which my yes. brother who was around five at the time was was walking into the room and seeing <laughs> and something about it was the the effect which is so naff thinking about now that it was the thing that made him so scared but it's the bit where like the predator just comes out of the jungle and just goes Wah. yeah the, yeah the, the jungle kind of moves yes. a little bit and boom he was out like a flash <laughs> he was screaming tormented traumatized just ruined as a human being yes yes basically and i never know if it was because i was just drawn in by the power of arnold schwarzenegger (laughs) or the intrigue or that there was this great kind of big hullabaloo about the older boy being scared and yeah Yeah. i was like here i am i'm not scared yes exactly brilliant so i remember sitting down and watching the rest of predator with my dad which You know, it was like a seed planted in me because once I became a teenager, all of a sudden I became consumed by like Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. and, you know, JCVD and Seagal and the man we're talking about here today, Sylvester Stallone. Yep, so, yep, yep. you know, it, it's more than a gimmick, brother. It was my origin story. <laughs> That's good. I mean, I, I was the same. I was like, I, I was shown Predator a very, I think like, I think it was maybe my, my fifth or sixth birthday I got to see Predator. Like my mum and dad would have a cabinet full of their videos i would have my own videos and they would have their own videos like locked in a cabinet sort of thing they were like here son watch this and i was like <laughs> are we allowed to watch this it was always the same as i've spoken to andy quite a lot about the podcast about i think in the 80s and obviously in the kind of early 90s it was almost an okay thing to do just to show kids whatever the fuck you wanted to so it's like just yeah, we're still figuring matter. out the vhs format yeah yeah yeah, we? yeah yeah you know like, yeah i mean you mentioned that another early, very early memory for me is seeing uh batman returns that's the first time i remember going to the cinema and the memory was so strong in me because i remember the whole time there being an argument that i shouldn't be brought to yeah. see it that it was inappropriate <laughs> i remember after the fact there being an argument that i'd seen the movie i remember there being an argument that my cousin had gotten Batman Returns figures and they were ages six and up and I was only four and I'd seen the movie. So what was that going to do with me? I mean, all that gave me was a, a lifelong appreciation of Catwoman, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but, you yeah, know, yeah. I feel like when back in those days, the notion of something being like, you shouldn't see this, that, I don't know, that felt more tangible. Yeah. Like, I remember I was on holiday a couple of weeks ago and like, there was no chat of like what you should or shouldn't watch. As long as the kids were on their Netflix on their separate wireless devices, all yeah, the yeah. parents seemed happy. So I don't think there's this big like family drama about yeah, where, yeah, oh yeah, no, yeah. They, my four year olds watch Marriage Story on my Netflix account. You know, I don't know <laughs> if that happens these days or not. Like, 
just imagine some like four year old child on holidays watching Marriage Story and just having like a mental breakdown. <laughs> just have like just like, every day I wake up and don't get snacks. Just like <laughs> just having an Adam Driver moment, like just our mum's crying and stuff. Yeah, that's a, a strange. But yeah, there was definitely a, a kind of a, a lax attitude. I spoke about my grand. My grand is like the kind of the arbiter of just like every time that she would watch us. Uh, we just watched anything. It was like anything that she could just find the video shop that looked like um, it was like a kids movie. Like we watched Meet the Feebles. Right. I don't know if you know that. This it's a Peter Jackson movie, which is like about yeah, sort of yeah. like puppets have sex and like, kill each other. Yeah, there ain't no kids. No, uh, and it's like oh, this looks oh, this looks sock puppets here. This must be for kids. I was just going buy this, but my grand, uh, you know, my oh everything to my grand because my grand bought me WrestleMania one, and that was it. There's a that was it. I was just <laughs> off like off the races and from then on. So. Um, my gran is like my wrestling arbiter, which is very strange. But um, <laughs> you know, yeah. I think uh, when I moved to the UK, the one thing I could say I definitely noticed, other than the fine selection of pies and pasties, <laughs> the main thing I noticed is that every every lad I've met in the UK who's a wrestling fan, it was a grandparent who introduced yeah. them. It feels like wrestling skipped a generation. There was World of Sport, <laughs> and then there was Wembley Stadium, and there's nothing in between. Like. Yeah, like it's like <laughs> mum and my dad have no mo- no. Um, knowledge of wrestling at all it's like, as if like someone just kind of shot off from them they were like i don't know what this is it's like the sort of blinkers and my grandma's was like mm. right i'm gonna take you to go and see bret hart i'm like okay cool oh, i'm gonna buy you the, the the belts and, and the legion of doom things it was always a uh, my grandma did that was my mom was like why like what is why is this a thing but um yes yeah, so big big up to grace uh <laughs> so um do you have kind of a a favorite movie moment from when you were a child as well favorite movie moment i mean it's gotta be you know i didn't mention star wars there mm. but i remember getting the star wars toys in like early 97 because you know they weren't going to make the same mistake kenner that had happened in the 70s yes. no child in the 90s was going to be sending away <laughs> you know bookmarks and stamps and you know trade in five box tops to yeah. get a boba fett that'll take your eye out that wasn't happening <laughs> absolutely not so like i remember like i was you know i didn't know anything about star wars other than it was an old movie that my brother had seen once on mm. video and kind of bragged about it now and then oh yeah i know all about this like what's cloud city oh, i can't tell you yeah, yeah you know that type of a thing so i had all the toys <laughs> i remember seeing in county carlo the star wars a new hope and being blown away loved yeah. it. but really honestly the main memory was when i went to see return of the jedi because i went to see return of the jedi i would have been they released them all kind of like within six months period. So it would have yeah, only yeah, been yeah. like nine at the time, I think, yeah. if that. And all my cousins went. And it was one of the only times I remember like five or six kids going to the cinema and half of them hadn't seen Star Wars. So before yeah. the text was rolling, I was leaning over going, and then there's there's Darth Vader, <laughs> there's the Sith. You know, I was trying to fill them all in. And the fact that like I obviously did it. I, Reckon I did do a great job, you know. Yeah. I'm much better podcaster as an adult than I did as a nine year old. <laughs> but just I remember looking and seeing people being like, "Yay!" and thinking like, "Right, it's all right, George Lucas, because I've given everyone the once over, <laughs> and now your movie can be enjoyed." And I felt a great sense of unearned pride <laughs> that I had introduced Star Wars to my friends, but yeah. that everything, including Return of the Jedi being screened in Longford, had went off without a hitch. And I think you know, that was my favorite Star Wars movie for many years because it was such a pure... I mean, it's it's the kids' one, isn't it? Yeah, you know, that yeah, was, yeah. You know, if I'd been a moody teen, I would have been all over Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, yeah, that's the sort kid, of thing, It's yeah. like, all the teddy bears stopped the Empire? Fuck yes. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the one you want. You want to kind of... You want to see those... I remember 
Like, I, I'm sure of you when you're talking about those figures, you're talking about the, the very overtly muscly, <laughs> muscly oh, like, yeah. Skywalker sticker, uh, figures. Good Lord, they're all, uh, they're all looking for a job in the WWF, I think. I know, they were like, very, like, Solo jacked. was, like, fucking thick, like, yeah. I remember, I, I, I remember at the end of the, uh, once we, we leave, I'll, I'll show you, I've, I've got some of them in the back there. Um, the, the very jacked Han Solo one, in fact, um, and the Carbonite, which is... <laughs> but, yeah, that, that was... that. Those are the kind of special editions that you're, uh, I assume you were talking yeah, about. They yeah, they were special editions, you know, a big yeah. pop for size noodles and CGI, <laughs> Jabba the Hutt and A New Hope, you know. I uh, I maintain, like all the people are like, release the original cut from the 70s. And I'm like, they're going, yeah, the 1999, 25th directors, <laughs> release them. Release the widescreen VHS collection. Yeah, Go yeah, on, yeah. Oh my God, yeah, want yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I, I, I. I, I remember going to see Return of Jedi. I, I think I'm, some, when those come out, I missed Empire, which is like obviously my favourite film of all time. But I remember vividly going to watch that scene in, in Jabba's Palace and that music number. And I'm thinking, like, what have they done to my boy? What have they done? <laughs> like, just like, just <laughs> crying. Like, just like, oh, what is this? And I'm there like, and is this being released on audio CD or cassette? Where can, <laughs> where can I, I get, you know, where can I get the vinyl of this? You know? Yeah, that's like students be on top of the pops on BBC <laughs> Two this weekend. I support this, you know? I just, I just can't, I just don't know why you mess with that amazing, ding, 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 ding. That, that song, I think that's amazing. That's a banger. I'd have, I would have played oh, no, that in yeah, the clubs. You know, the, 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 the actual music, <laughs> not the incidental, the score, the actual yes. in-world music of yeah. Star Wars. I, yes, I yeah, listen yeah. to an album of that any day of the Very funky and like jazz. I listened to the other day, like somebody's talking about it and like I realized how, how kind of funky and like all the kind of ways pianos. Like, this is really like it's like oh, Rick yeah. James, it's very, sure. of, <laughs> it's very of its time. Um, okay, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, uh, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna go into the, the main part of the podcast where we're gonna talk about your films and your picks. Now, you sort of mentioned it quickly, um, as we we're talking a moment ago. Who have you picked as your director of this podcast of this of this, uh, this episode? I have picked uh, director, come actor, come watch designer slash salesman, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone as my director, which I assure everyone who is thinking about turning off right now, it is a good idea. Yes. And we will explain why very shortly. Well, definitely, yeah, well yeah. I was honestly, when you gave me the, the task of picking a director, I did find it quite hard. I actually mm. have to credit this choice to Joe, my, well, my partner from How To Wrestling and also Life, who was like, you love Sylvester Stallone. He's a director. Why don't you pick him? Because I, I feel like with directors, I've always had this weird hang up that like, 
liking a director is somehow pretentious. Yeah. And I think it's something from when I'm like 13 years old. But it's also coupled with the fact that I genuinely struggle to remember the names of directors. <laughs> like, I'm always the person who at the end, you know, someone will be like, you know, the person who did this also did this other yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. oh, that's that's nice. But I'm quite bad for like, I mean, maybe Paul Paul Anderson, maybe I would search out his movies. Yeah. Both of the Paul Andersons, I'd search them out. Yes. But, you know, otherwise, I'm I'm not great with directors, but it was only when it was, you know, shown to me. I was like, Sylvester Stallone is quite a perfect choice for me for many, many reasons, because he is a, an unexpectedly good director, I think we yeah. could all agree upon. I think, I think it was a little bit of a spoiler before we went to the films is that I was really surprised and you don't, I, though I've watched one of the films we're talking to talk about and we're two of the films we're going to talk about, it's one especially I was like, well, this is, I didn't, you don't realise at the time when you watch these movies that you and you're younger and you appreciate these movies that, you know, this, he's quite, he is quite talented he is quite a talented director. Oh yeah, you know, and writer as well. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, yeah, I sure, kind yeah. of, you know, he's he's written and he's been a writer, director, actor combo for quite a number of things. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think it's easy to overlook someone because he falls into a certain build. And I think it's quite ironic because yeah. Sylvester Stallone is someone that when he first came out with Rocky, it was like, oh, he's five ten. It's like wrestling. He's not big enough to be yeah. a leading yeah, man. Yeah. And like when I was a kid, I remember early memories of Stallone. It was stuff like you know Demolition Man and yeah, Copland. Yeah, yeah. You know, I would have caught him on the tail end of his his original big big explosive run. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking he was the biggest man in the universe. And it was yeah. only when I saw him next to Hulk Hogan, Terry Bollea in, in Rocky <laughs> Three, we'll talk about it in a bit. Yeah. I was like, oh, this lad is way smaller than I realized. But you know, he still gets labeled as the Musclehead, even though yeah, he's yeah, he's, quite he's, a small dude at points. You know, because you do you do see him like in t- in terms of like obviously when Expendables, which we we'll talk about as well. So, so and then him even to be like to towards like Dolph Lundgren and stuff like that, and even in Rocky Four, he is very kind of not I'm going to say petite, but he's quite a small guy. Like and by by standards, he's smaller than me, and definitely smaller than you. I know that for certain. He's five ten, as far as I know. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's Hollywood height. So, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all about his. his uh, but you know, we always you always know the kind of the, the kind of the story about when we was, we was pitching Rocky. That he was very adamant about. Look, I need. I will play this guy. There's no. You don't. You don't get a script unless I can. I am Rocky. And they were like, "All right, well, let, let's see what let, this happens." And take a, we've taken a chance on you now. And that's that's probably the biggest chance you've ever taken in the world because it made him a megastar. Made him like yeah. let's talk a little bit about in Rocky Three. It, it sort of it didn't made us made him a household name by the by by Rocky Three and Rocky yeah, Four. Yeah, it wasn't you know necessarily something that was you know set in stone for him. I think yeah. you look at like big Hollywood stars or like someone like say Arnold Schwarzenegger who came as being like the big superstar in bodybuilding. Yeah. You kind of go, well, you know, he may not. You know, it was a surprise maybe that he became one of the, if not the biggest action star of yes. all time. But, you know, it was guaranteed that he'd at least have a decent enough run and he'd make a, a little bit of money. But mm. for Stallone, I guess it was far less a guaranteed thing. And something as well that drew me to him as picking him as a director is that there's something, it's really silly that it stands out, but way, 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 way back, it was, I think it was the first or second season of like South Park and the, the makers of it did like a special behind the scenes thing where they wandered yeah. around Paramount and they came across the vest. They were doing like kind of tongue in cheek, like guys with a camera just making yeah. fun of everything and everyone. <laughs> and there's Sylvester Stallone, and they're like, "Oh, it's Rocky, Rocky, do the voice, do the voice." And he very calmly and plainly goes, 
you know I don't speak like that normally, right? You know, he's just being, you know, still <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Might I add, he's got an excellent podcasting voice. Someone should book him on a show. I'm, I'm, I would be a big guy. And they're like, no, <laughs> do, do, do the Rocky voice. Do the Rocky voice. And he's like, hey, oh, it's me, Rocky. I'm here at Bama <laughs> Studios with my book. And, tw-. and they're like, ah, he sounds stupid. And I was like, that stuck with me for ages because yeah. I think that was actually the first time where I was like, wait, he doesn't actually sound just, he isn't actually just Rocky. Yeah, he's yeah. He's other lad. Now, I know he had issues with his vocal cords because of um when he was born as far as i know the doctors grabbed him with a forceps and they severed some wow. nerve so he does have some sort of a facial paralysis yeah but he is still quite a well and particularly when he was younger very well clearly spoken man yeah, i just yeah. think like you know the wrestling is always going to come into it a little bit for me and people <laughs> whose character kind of encapsulates them a little bit and yeah. people don't see the person they see the character and I think for Stallone, for someone who had such a long and varied career in many ways, it is always very interesting that he is not even Rocky. He's just the guy with the Rocky voice. Yeah, I yeah. mean, Animaniacs are always having a pop at Sylvester. Oh, Stallone they were, obviously. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I think they had to pop at everybody, but yeah, they were definitely like, it's, and I think everybody, like, but, he, but it's almost a good thing for him because he has, he's created such an uh, iconic character and an iconic voice and a way of talking that it just became... Like he was always like talked about constantly. Yes. Even just even just now, like he's still like. If you ask somebody, go oh, do do a Sylvester Stallone accent, do do impressions like Stallone. How does he talk? They will always do the Rocky voice. They're not going to do Cobra. They're not going to do Barney <laughs> Ross from Expendables. <laughs> they're going to do you know. They're not going to do like you know. And obviously, we, when we talk when we talk about your kind of first movie, that he has a lot of energy. He doesn't have. He, he is a very different guy. You know, I, I think I kind of talk about the kind of Al Pacino effect where. Yes. At the beginning, they have this sort of like very effervescent kind of energy about them. And then the soul as they become older, gets kind of croaky kind of voice. And Arnie's got it as well, like a little kind of like, he's not the kind of guy that yeah. no more doesn't talk like that. And he was like, I don't talk like this anymore. He's like, he's got a sort of like, um, I don't know. It's sort of like yeah, kind of gravelly so voice, like the Michael Caine kind of thing as well. Like, it's like that, but it's... reverse podcast effect when people yes. start podcasts and they always do it with a lower voice, <laughs> and then by episode ten or eleven, the, the voice has gone up an octave. Yeah, yeah, through the way yeah. around. But yeah, let, let's talk a little <laughs> bit about Paradise Alley because yes. I am adamant that more people need to know about this spectacular movie. Absolutely. I first came across this a couple of years back when I was researching an episode about one of my all-time favorite wrestlers, Terry Funk, yes. for How to Wrestling, and. I really wanted to get a, a a nice wholesome view of Terry because I knew if I just showed Joe a man being set on fire with a blind, branding iron or falling into barbed wire or C4, that it might be a bit skewed. Yeah. I knew he was involved in acting. Like I knew he had worked with Stallone on like Rocky Five. He yeah. actually booked the the Tommy Gunn Rocky final confrontation because wow. he wanted to make it look like a real street yeah, yeah. fight. So he brought in Terry Funk, who was this kind of brawler. And Paradise Alley, just reading the book, Terry Funk describing, I was like, this sounds fucking boo-boo bananas. You've got like <laughs> very young Sylvester Stallone not being the fighter. Stallone actually plays one of three brothers. One yes. of the brothers is the fighter. He's played by a former boxer. Yeah. And the other brother is kind of a, a smarter veteran who works in a mortuary. And yes. Sylvester is meant to be the kind of, he's like the Lenny. He's like the plucky guy yeah, who's yeah. trying to like, you know, ah, if I could only get that couple of books. And he plays the small fast-talking guy and yeah. set in this world of professional wrestling. Dancing monkey, look at the dancing monkey. Come on, dance. You make me look good. I'm just glad Mom Pine and the life is the other boys is turning out. 
Look at this. I'm a struggling businessman. This guy here hauls ice around like a dumb Eskimo, and you throw stiffs in a crate. It's a very classy crew. Everybody needs something, and what you need is a lot of me wrapped around you on a cold night. Look, so what bothers me is I keep getting a freeze from this tomato. I'm here. Where'd you want this houseboat again? Houseboat in Jersey. Houseboat in Jersey. Well, listen, wrestling can be your passport out of the city real soon. It's a growing sport, I'm telling you. You know, since everybody knows you now as Kid Salami, I want you to hang a few salamis around your neck. It's kind of a trademark. Salami! It's getting banged around too much. I don't like it. Now, if you don't like the sight of blood, kid, you're in the wrong racket, OK? I'm talking about our brother. You love him? Yes. Well, close the window, Annie. I'm going to close the window! Close the window, fine. With this one match, we can be on the way to some real success. Yeah, and who's he got to rest? Frank, it hey, Vic, you can't do that. First, I'm going to smash you. Then I'm going to get you. I'm going to smash the whole family. <laughs> style for a guy with pigeon stuff on your shoulder, Cosmo. <laughs> Set in the 40s. Yes. And it is like, it's about as 40s as gangs in New York is yes, authentically it's... <laughs> of its time. You know, it is kind of silly and tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, but yeah. Had you, had you heard about this? I'm out of interest. You were as a wrestling fan and a film fan as well. I'm not sure if that was one that was on your radar. No, it was, it was definitely, it was one of these films that, I'm, I'm a big Stallone fan, as as you, as you are. I mean, I, I grew up, obviously, in the 90s as well, so... I was one of these films that I'd, I'd only really heard about sort of in the kind of harsh circles about, oh, this does, do you know that Stallone has a wrestling movie? And I was like, what? I said, like, I just, I knew that obviously that watching Rocky Three and seeing like Te- Hulk Hogan, I was going to call it Terry Blue, Hulk Hogan, uh, it always seemed to have a sort of affinity with like having like wrestlers involved in some way. Like yeah. we obviously talked about Terry Funk with the, in Rocky Five, but um, I'd never really gone around to watch it. So what was, when you'd suggested that is one of the picks. I was like, well, this gives me an equal opportunity to finally watch it. Um, and I, spoiler alert, I really loved it. I thought it was really like... I know, it's it's got such a good heart to it. It does, well, definitely does, yes. is that, you know, from I like to hurt people to, you know, I mean, there's so many, you know, The Water Boy with Adam Sandler, like any movie that's even remotely, tangentially, obscurely related to wrestling, mm. wrestling fans jump on it. Yeah. They love it, they embrace it. And I always find it weird that like, I think over the top, which is Stallone's arm wrestling. Yes, movie, that feels like it has more of a following and like kind of a, a cult status in the wrestling world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that this the actual movie about wrestling, and I think what's nice about it is that it's quite a sweet story. It is kind oh, yes. of almost like cartoony a little bit, like the bad guy promoters. You know, yeah. they wear black hats with red ties and all. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Terry very... Funk plays <laughs> the thumper, who's yes. the evil wrestler, who's this big brute of a man, who's like you know blood coming out his nose he's snarling and spitting there's a monkey you know it's (laughs) it is maybe that's why it's because it's kind of a little bit family friendly yeah 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 lighter and it's not like oh tough wrestling even though it's got you know some pretty tough wrestlers are in that movie oh definitely yeah yeah yeah. appearances you know so we'll we'll definitely get into that so i was gonna start a little bit about how the kind of film begins so we get off to this this kind of foot race on the, over the rooftops with Stallone's character Cosmo, uh, Cosmo Cabrone, um, re- recent rival named rival gamer called Speedo. Now, I don't know if, if if I was in a race with a guy called Speedo, I don't know what my chances would really be. Um, he's obviously Speedo, yeah, or, unless it's an ironic days. name. 
Like yeah, little, like little John. In the old days in uh, Hell's <laughs> Kitchen, they just give you your nickname based on the adjective that best describes yeah. you. So, yeah. or he wears like t- or he wears tiny swimming trunks. Maybe I don't know. We don't know what's <laughs> under those 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 kind of uh, rags. Um, and we're introduced to now. It took me a little bit, a little, a little kind of beat to realize that this song, <laughs> this song, now is is sung by Sylvester Stallone. What a pair of pipes on him! Huh? It, really, I was like, it was, I was like. I said, that voice sounds familiar. Who is that? And then I was like, as I quickly like went into YouTube, I went, no, it cannot be. It can't be this. And then I got this, I got his voice. I was like, wow, this is like, it's like him giving his best and like a Neil Diamond sort of like, you know, forever in kind of blue jeans sort of like, oh, it's very kind of like, it's very 70s. He's got a bit of uh, Tom Waits, yes. who also appears in this movie. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Look, absolutely I feel correct. very selfish, you know, talking about a movie where <laughs> my favourite wrestler and my fa- one of my favourite actors and my favourite musician are yeah. all there having a, a fun time. But, you know, that's Paradise <laughs> Alley for you, baby. So what did you kind of, so what did you make of like his voice as him because obviously we talked about obviously he's obviously directing this movie he's written this movie he's stars in it essentially even though he's not the 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 wrestler of this movie is obviously we'll find out obviously with his brother um he also wrote the book this film is based on which is wow. quite which is so that's it's quite a quite a, it's quite a demanding for a guy and like and this is obviously in the very early of in the very late 70s obviously very early into his kind of big career obviously he's just done Rocky um, at this point and obviously he's going to go into kind of bigger things obviously we know from seeing those films like First Blood and so forth this is obviously quite a big ask would you, would you say obviously in terms of like a big um, effort in terms of like this is I really want to sell this movie as this Astalone yeah, movie yeah I mean you, you would kind of be forgiven for thinking that Rocky would have come out after this just <laughs> because he feels like he's in some sort of like a almost desperate modes yeah. to, to prove his, his worth and his value and it is actually strange to see like that no one would have went you know what you could you know your brother Frank Stallone might be able to do the singing on this one <laughs> instead of you Sylvester you might get yourself a, a day yeah. off there or anything like that but I mean if we're going to compare Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart to Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. I think we know who's the, the workhorse who worked his entire life yeah. owning his craft and who went in and got the top spot handed to them yeah, no Sylvester yes, Stallone yes. is the hard worker and I just think you know you hear the stories when he was writing Rocky and he was you know basically on the cusp of being evicted you yeah, know yeah. and that's you don't get those kind of 
classic Hollywood stories of like the guy pouring over a typewriter and he just finishes it off. And this this script, I'm literally going out of you know yeah. from Skid Row to 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 go into the Hollywood sign and living in a little tent on top of that. You know, it's it's classic. I think yeah. Hollywood's drawn to those stories because it's like the American dream wrapped up in of itself. Yeah, I think I think as well as obviously I think that because we've as we talked a little bit earlier was it he was he's kind of seen as sort of a kind of a little bit of a himbo a little bit. Yeah, definitely um, for sure. So you don't. It's hard to connect when when, I, when I, obviously when we were both younger, we maybe wouldn't have known about him kind of directing and writing these movies and like especially with Rocky. But you've look at these movies, you know, which we're going to talk about. You know, we're going to talk obviously we're talking about Paradise. We're going to talk about Rocky Three and obviously with Rocky itself. There's a lot of heart. And a lot of kind of gravitas and a lot of emotion come into this. So you wouldn't expect over somebody like I couldn't imagine Ar- Arnie or John Claude Van Damme or Steve Seagal writing a writing a film with well, oh, fil- yeah. or films are directing the films with as much care and sort of passion and and emotion in, well, in them as they of, would be. It was like his, his calling card almost, and that was I guess why Rocky was yeah. successful. And you can see them trying to emulate it here. I think in the late seventies because of you know, the Vietnam War and various scandals and social issues, America was kind of being portrayed in movies particularly yeah. as being you know, very, very dark. You yes. think of, you know, you know, Mean Streets, Chinatown, you know, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm, Taxi mm-hmm. Driver. You, you could go on. Yeah. And his reckoning was that one of the reasons why Rocky was so successful, it was almost like almost like a protest pick when it won the Oscar, yeah. was because they dared to have someone you could root for. And it, mm. you know, still be set in this kind of, you know, Paradise Alley is kind of a little bit more cartoony. Yes. But you're seeing like a Hell's Kitchen that's meant to be like kind of a downtrodden, yes. you know, New York City as opposed to kind of a glamorous New York City. It's kind of a little bit like the New York you would see in some of those other movies I mentioned. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's all about the fact that the characters themselves are like the people you can root for, the people you want to win. They're kind of heroes in that yeah. older Hollywood sense. They're not yeah, absolutely, anti-heroes absolutely, yes, yeah. at all, you know? And I think it is interesting that we can kind of look back now and kind of go, oh yeah, it was like that in the 70s. It really wasn't. It was really, really dark back in the 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very like, you have the those storytelling, kind of, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think that we talked obviously about, this is obviously a film that's kind of set in 1946. So it's, a lo- it's you know, just the war's ended. There's, you know, you see quite a lot of lot of parts through the movie that where they're living, you know, there's a lot of, you know, iconography about the war and, Obviously, you know, Armand Asante, Lenny, uh, Sly Stallone's mm. brother in this movie, he is, you know, he's been wounded in war. He's a war hero. You know, there's there's effects throughout the uh, throughout Hell's Kitchen of, you know, there's you know, there's guys down the luck. You know, obviously, there's, you know, there's been poverty, certainly, in, in that area. So, you know, there's, there's certainly a lot of kind of thought put into the times, you know, obviously making it very, you know, you could you could just make a war movie, make it very kind of glamorous and an after war movie, should say, at this sort of time scale in a kind of 40s movie. Um, and it's also and make it sort of a kind of a kind of glamorized and stuff like that, and make it a kind of a wrestling movie with it in the forties, and make it sort of all kind of timey and look at all kind of cool. But there's a definitely a kind of a kind of a, a grime to it in, se- in terms of you know. Yeah, definitely. Still- you know, it, just because something is you know like hopeful doesn't mean yes. that it can't be kind of grim and dark. Yeah. And I thought that you know going into this, there was a worry with me that like you know as little as I know about this era of wrestling, because mm. the 40s is you know, before yes. the advent even of, of, of television. Yes. So wrestling is very much in the smoky arenas and kind of clubs like yeah, yeah. portrayed here, almost like an underground fight club. Yes. And I was worried about them portraying it as them being kind of like over-the-top circus-like performers. And yeah. there is a bit of that. Like yes. in the in the club, there is this giant flashing sign that says another bum. Yeah, yeah, which I loved. To, uh, you know, rise <laughs> to, the, to the challenge. 
But there are these very touching scenes later on with the kind of the champ of Paradise Alley. He's a guy called Old Glory. He's played by a former football player. Yeah. And at the start, you see him he's this big titan of a man, this brute, nothing can get to him. But then, you know, later on, you see Sylvester Stallone's character, who's kind of acting almost as like kind of a point man for for his his fighter brother. He visits him and he sees how kind of you know, his life yeah, is yeah. He's no real life at all. And it is exaggerated for dramatic effect, but there are a lot of wrestlers who were like that because back yeah, in those days, absolutely, yeah. if you were a big, strong brute, you know, you weren't traveling to go to Los Angeles and New York of course, and of Chicago course, yeah, 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 yeah. going around. I mean, transport links didn't exist like that back yeah. then. You couldn't gr- jump on a plane that easily. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. kind of seeing how you could be someone who maybe had talent and skill and you could just end up working for peanuts because some lads with a fancy suit has figured out how to market you. It actually, if you're a wrestling fan, there's a lot to look in here and kind of oh, go, yeah. oh, you know, those them dirty bones of wrestling that yeah, I recognize yeah, yeah, yeah. are in this movie. It's like, it's, it's definitely an eye-opening an opening kind of historical movie and it's it's something that we think a lot of wrestlers wrestling fans should, should say should kind of watch and sort of kind of appreciate um which we're also going to get into a little bit and in, in, in later on in the kind of this part of the podcast um now and obviously like a little bit of obviously with big glory late, kind of later on um there's a lot of kind of gravitas in his, his story and you know later on you know unfortunately he, he he chooses to take his little life because he feels like I've had my time, you know, if I've I've had my kind of time in the sun as much as I can have in this this small club. And I've been beaten down and you you know you've I've just let your your brother beat me. I didn't want he could never beat me, but I I've let him do that. So that's mm. down to me. So there's a, a lot of a, a lot of emotion. I got very emotional about that, obviously uh, that because that, obviously this it's followed by this kind of um, very it's preceded by this kind of very madcap um a drinking session between Stallone's character and Big Glory, mm. and they're crashing into, into street street lamps, and they're destroying like pubs and stuff like that, and they're just like destroying this big truck, um, and just like this is my last kind of like hurrah kind of thing, um, and it's kind of sad because you know it always gets me in a movie when someone is like talking about suicide, but it's yeah. not from like a like a threatening like I'm gonna do it or like you know or just you know what what's gonna happen it's kind of like someone has already made peace with that fact they're 100% okay with it and Stallone's like pleading with him trying to explain all these reasons to this guy he doesn't really even know that well why yeah, exactly exactly yeah. Like, yeah I'm all right I'm done you know no one's his line is no one's gonna remember this in 100 years anyway which is like a, a very kind of bittersweet way of putting it yeah it's definitely and he's, he talks also about like does the people kill themselves out of, of sadness and when they're the, in their worst times? But I'm happy. I just want to go out my own more term, terms. There's no, and there's a, there's a very kind of comedic bit which when he kind of jumps off the, the side of the bridge and he gets hit, smacks into like a kind of garbage plate where all the kind of like there's like banana peels and stuff like that. And he's like, it's a big float of garbage. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's the scummy New York <laughs> River. <laughs> so it's, it's it's quite it's quite funny that when he's like right okay and. and so it's it's a weird sort of like bit of kind of break of like there's like mainstream sadness of this guy killing him, gonna kill himself, mm. and then comedy of like him hitting this. It's like so like ah, you almost like think he's just gonna go. I'm, I'm so stupid. I, I I don't want to kill myself. I'm fine. But he's like nope, <laughs> just jumps in the water and that's it. And sort of you know, Stone's kind of left to go right. The sort of this kind of like almost kind of road to Ma- Damascus kind of like realization yeah, of like yeah. what what am I doing to my own brother? Because at this point. <clears throat> he's got um Victor played by Lee Can- Canalito. I'm probably saying that wrong, but um he's got his brother involved in wrestling. He, so a little bit a little bit earlier he gets 
involved in an arm wrestling competition. It seems to last for hours because your sweat's pouring off them. They're really leaning into kind of the the grossness yeah. of like physical exertion, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess that they wanted to get that across. And I think that was one of the reasons why Terry Funk is involved is that he didn't want his sport to be portrayed as oh, being yes, anything yeah, yeah, yeah. than real, dirty, gritty. So anytime anyone is the grimacing, people's you know, <laughs> you know, eyes are bulging, veins yeah. are popping, like just gross like everyone needs a good wash at the end of this it does movie. it's like he really Terry Funk really I, I was a real impressed with him in this film it really sells the sort of like it's almost like a kind of weird sort of three stooges like villain it's mm. like almost like have you ever watched the cartoons with Bugs Bunny yes, fighting, a, fighting a boxer yeah. or the sort That's of or the sort of like, like the big sort of like <laughs> the anthill mob and he's like obviously there's a big kind of like curly sort of guy you know like this this he was like he was like if you ever looked when when I looked up an actor and went right, I want to have a fug. I want a kind of nineteen fifties forties fug, a brute. <laughs> Terry Funk just it just oozes out of him at this point. He's like he's got the kind of like the sort 100%. of Popeye kind of eye, like always like this, and like he's always squinting and he's like like just he just uh, he's transcendent in this movie. I think like, this is like I think this is probably next to obviously wrestling, obviously which is which is all absolutely superb. We can talk years about how good Terry Funk is. He's actually an amazing, amazing actor in this movie. And yeah, I mean, he looks physically so different to the Terry yes, Funk oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. you would recognize him as, even if you're familiar with his stuff from you know Florida in the seventies or Texas or whatever. Yet he still is undeniably like you see that and go, "Yep, that's Terry Funk." But he's yes. like, I just love when a wrestler comes in, manages to show you why they're great, but they do it in a way that's not showing you what they would normally show you yeah. when they're wrestling. And I think. There's a lot of other, I mean, there's other wrestlers in the movie coming up that we'll be talking about that <laughs> maybe doesn't go to such lengths to change up what you might think he would present himself as. <laughs> Definitely. And I, I think, I think as well, he's like, he's not the Terry Funk, Funk you would think of now, the kind of, oh, I'm, I'm just, I'm an Amarillo and I'm just going to retire. He's, he's not kind Uncle Terry at all. No, he's not, not kind of, he's, he's nasty yeah. Terry Funk. Um, so, jumped out a little bit, we get to see, obviously, Victor get involved with the wrestling world in Paradise Alley. Um, we see him in, a, in, a, in a, an amazing sort of montage. We do get a little bit of a training montage, which is just basically just him chucking a, a toilet bowl into the river, um, which is not much. Not it's not Rocky Four levels of like running up hills and no. picking up your know, um, carts, you know, with his bare hands. It's it's very. <laughs> um, but we do get a, a kind of lovely wrestling montage, which is which is really impressive. So it was a who's who. In it there. was, I yeah, yeah. I was going to say uh, did you spot Ted DiBiase. Yep. I got Dick Murdoch yep. in there. Uh, I think Gene Kaninsky was also in there as well. Gene- the the, the old timer himself. Yes, like. we're gonna I'm gonna go a little bit. What we got because yeah, Ted Ted DiBiase, got Dick Murdoch, we got Dory Funk Jr. So we got Terry Funk's brother in this. We've got, and he's definitely booked this time. Dennis Stamp. Oh my god! From Beyond the Mat, yep, yep, yep. So we've got Statman, <laughs> uh, we've got Ray Stevens, and we've got Uli Uli oh Fafita. Now, do you know who that is? No, I don't. Who? It's Haku. Oh my! I I had heard someone tell me that Haku was in this movie. Yes, I was I like, like I blink and you miss it. I yeah, guess, it's very, very. Like, he's god. very, very, he's very kind of buzzed in here, and he's got to get. He's not got the beard and stuff like that as well. He's not got the kind of like, ah. sort of chin beard and stuff like that. Yeah, I was like, I was. I kind of when I was watching this montage, I was like, "These guys must have must be workers. It has to be absolutely has to be guys that that you know maybe in the AWA at that time." So when I saw I saw Ted DBS, I was like, "What?" And I was when I seen you know obviously Dennis Stamp, which obviously as anybody who's a wrestling fan who's watched Beyond the Mat is 
the probably one of the stars of that movie because that's one of the best scenes. I, I'm not booked. I can't. I'm not booked Terry. I can't. I'm not booked tonight. Um, it's just amazing to see Haku. I mean, I love Haku. You know, everybody that's a, a wrestling fan knows. You know how scary Haku is. So I'm, I'm sure he was treated with a lot of fear on on that set. Um, <laughs> but um, we so apparently so I've read this up a little bit of trivia about this film. In fact, that there was a lot of kind of actors on this film that it doesn't say who. Um, but they're obviously given that the wrestlers a lot of shit. They're like, oh, these guys are just fucking pretend wrestlers. And obviously, um, mm. Stallone actually stood up, stood, stood up for him. Yeah, he's he he's kind of he's got a bit of a reputation for being like um, you know someone who went to bat for a number yeah. of the wrestlers because he did insist on you know the wrestlers getting hired and you know even bringing on wrestlers to be like fight supervisors and things like that. And you know that went on long, long later into his career as well. Oh, absolutely. And, it's always interesting because Sloan has never tried to kind of come out and be like Mr. Wrestling Shill, like I'm the lifelong wrestling fan, this, that, and the other. So I wasn't sure if it was a case that he had kind of, you know, fan stars in his eyes or whatever, but it was probably more likely the case that he's someone who seems to appreciate characters who had to struggle physically, you know, whether that be, you know, fighters of, from any walk of life. And I think it was always nice to know that there was someone in Hollywood when it wasn't very popular to treat wrestling with respect, you of know, about the 80s particularly, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that there was someone out there who was still you know, carrying the torch a little bit, saying, hey, you know, these wrestlers aren't as phony and fake as you think they may be. And I think that's an important thing, because Hollywood can't get enough of wrestlers these days. Yeah, well, yeah there's, there's, there's definitely been a paradigm shift in terms of the um, the way that obviously wrestling is seen. Obviously, we've, well, we talk about obviously The Rock, and obviously Cena now obviously being a big major star, and um, obviously these guys are going to pop up every so often and what will it be Hollywood Studios do you want to keep calling wrestling phony or do you want to make tens of millions of dollars yeah exactly exactly that, you want you want the tens of millions of dollars <laughs> alright we'll give you John then alright yeah, you can have Bring John you can have him like, WrestleMania yeah. okay I mean look at if you look at Peacemaker now that's just like probably one of the most popular shows on yeah. on the planet now and it's, it's obviously a guy that was you know laughed at for a long long time of like yeah this little kind of goofy fruity pebbles guy um to quote the rock <laughs> um but i've got a little kind of quote a quote from stone himself um apparently said i don't want to hear a word about pro wrestling or pro wrestlers these guys are some for us in three days it would take hollywood stuntmen six months to do these guys are the best improv actors in the world there you go. He's he's picked on something there in the seventies that, like, I swear I remember hearing like you know John Cena, Sasha Banks, people who've done recently done stuff kind of in Hollywood, and then being like, God, it's amazing, like how you know prepared we feel for doing this because it's not live. So yeah. the fact that you can do another take is mind blowing to us. But the rest just seem to always approach with that mentality of like, we got to do it to do it right right now because in their minds it's been seen therefore you have to do it right exactly. and so yeah maybe it's it's less fanboy and more just efficiency <laughs> i guess for making a movie with fighting in it get yourself a couple of wrestlers exactly yeah yeah and i think i think that definitely in that this this era of wrestling they were about they we always like to hear about this kind of we kind of poo poo the kind of older wrestlers now coming out and going wrestling was definitely my, back in my day we're all stronger there but there's definitely if you want those guys to portray that era of wrestling you want to look at AWA, you want to look at, you know, WW, WCCW, you want to look at these mm. kind of older kind of Memphis kind of wrestlers, because these guys are, like, <laughs> they're just, they're just built, big kind of built sort of dad bod guys that are gonna, are very adept to flinging, about them, flinging themselves about the place. So I think that's very, very, um, a very kind of cool thing for them to do at that stage to kind of give these guys a platform and 
kind of fame essentially at this, at this point. Yeah, and you think around the same time as well would have been a rough year in the time when Andy Kaufman would have been discovering that oh, yeah, wrestling definitely. was yeah, an yeah, amazing yeah. place and had a lot of very willing dance partners in terms <laughs> of his comedy style, what he wanted to do as well. So, you know, I think it, it doesn't matter what the the big wigs think, that there was always a, a route in there for wrestlers to yeah. ply their craft in these <laughs> arenas. Absolutely, absolutely. And even even Victor himself, he looks, he looks every bit the wrestler of that era himself. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Stone's definitely picked a guy that looks of that looks that part because when he's got the he's got the trunks on he's got the boots and the, the kind of knee pads he just uh, I, I could you could mistake him for kind of george hackenschmidt you could or oh yeah he has that classic old yeah. time shooter look like he's gonna go and you know get stretched up by Stu hart or something like that yeah yeah <laughs> he's like he's got he's got that sort of like tortilla shaped body but it's like just sort of like it's all kind of like no like it's not like abs it's sort of like just one big ab one singular mass yeah <laughs> yeah so um just gonna kind of go on to the kind of last part um of this movie is that obviously we get kind of to kind of skip through it a wee bit um lenny goes full michael colleone becomes a kind of a sort of pimp for um victor or worse he becomes vince mcmahon he does he does that's an, that's an amazing he does, part he does he becomes the, the evil of the promoter <laughs> you know that's can't, that's can't an amazing part like, yeah he becomes becomes very much he gets his fancy new cane he's got his old kind of shitty cane before but now he's got a kind of horse's head cane now he's He's up to his cane game. He's got a lovely big coat. And again, Vince McMahon, big coat. Uh, he loves a big coat himself. Um, so he makes a deal with Frankie the Fumper and Stitch, uh, which I sidebar, Stitch is an amazing actor in this. Amazing. Stitch Mahone is is absolutely a fantastic mobster name. I'm very, very much uh, yeah, in approval. He's got, he's got that yeah, very kind again, of 50s you, you mentioned like, Looney Tunes yeah, yeah. earlier he reminded me of like the little lad who'd be telling the big brute to go off yeah, and use yeah, X, yeah, Y, and yeah, Z definitely. <laughs> and this, this final showdown it takes place it's in Paradise Alley but it's during a particularly bad day so we have rain coming down so what they do to kind of differentiate the, the fighting from earlier in the movie is that you have all this wrestling and all these spots in slow motion taking place with all this thunder and lightning going on and like honestly I was watching this uh, yesterday to refresh myself and Joe turned to me and she was like, is there ever been like wrestling in a stadium when it's been raining like yes. that? Because it looks incredible, like it's visual. And I was like, um, all I can remember is like it's Shea Stadium where the Beatles played. I know WWWF used to run wow. there and I watched a clip once of like Andre the Giant being like, <laughs> it's really fucking wet, brother. I ain't doing anything like you yeah, know? Yeah. so the rain is probably better in hollywood than it is <laughs> on your local wrestling show but yes, seeing terry so. funk you know being smashed into a big puddle and they go Whoosh. oh this was this was great it was really really well done so i mean yes speaking about that match i mean as obviously we're both big wrestling fans what did you make of this match in terms of if you if you took this match out of out of context of the film and just watched it just somebody you went to watch this wrestling match what would you what would you have made of this match in terms of of the I mean, way it looks? If I'm going to be if I'm going to be the way it looks, it's it's obviously got to be about the fact that you have the rain and you have yeah. that kind of incredible lighting and yeah. there's something to me. I don't know maybe it's the raw underground fan of me <laughs> that's still begging to come out, but no, these, the small crowd of people being like, ah, you know, people starting fights and the yeah, audience, yeah, yeah, stuff is going on. Like again, you mentioned Star Wars. You know, we talked about that earlier on. It kind of reminded me, almost like the Cantina, like all yes. these kind of different people, all you know, involved in their own little world. But like, considering the the brother uh, Lenny, that he's he's not a trained wrestler at all. He's a former boxer. He hadn't even acted before this. 
And I think it's a testament to him as a slab of granite or marble to be, you know, kind of taken through the dance. And Terry Funk, I think, does an absolutely incredible job. Yes, absolutely. They're playing, you know, this is in the era, you know, the 70s, I guess, before, you know, television, I guess it was a part of wrestling, but like they're there for the close-ups. You get the the facial re- re- expressions and reactions. I think the use of like makeup and stuff. So like as they you know, the cuts and the bruises develop over the match. I'll say it about this. It is a better portrayal of wrestling than Rocky One portrays boxing. And before wow. everyone comes at me with your your uh, forks and, uh, <laughs> and your, your torches, keep in mind all those silly sound effects in the original Rocky was like, you know, it's kind yeah. of fast forwarded a bit and all that. It It's good, but it's, a, it's not like actual boxing. This feels like a dramatic presentation of wrestling. And I think it does a really good job of accentuating it as opposed to making it look a bit phony because they don't treat wrestling as phony. Wrestling is a shoot in this world. It is a real thing. You know, that's how they you do. You get, hurt, you get hurt in this. It's not, it's not, you know, yeah. it's not the pantomime that we would expect. It's more William Regal getting people up from black and Blackpool, getting yes. the ring and giving them you a sort of a sound trouncing. So yeah yeah, 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 you're gonna you're gonna get your if you're coming in this ring, you're getting you're getting mauled. Um so we, <laughs> we get a little bit of a screwy finish at the end, which uh, you know, which is super on the point wrestling for me. Um because yeah. if you all have a screwy, screwy finish, but uh, after we Victor fights on and we get the ultimate baby face end where obviously we're the next week's brother just when yeah I was gonna throw the fight but I just wanted to be with you guys. And you get the kind of froggy freeze frame at the end. It's all kind of tears. And um, and then, then Sly sings us back out at the end. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Why do you bother hiring Tom Waits if you've got those pipes on you, mate? I know, What's exactly. The like, point? Just get him playing the piano <laughs> in, his, in the bar scenes and stuff. That would, but, like, Tom Waits isn't, is wasted in this movie. Get him back in Mystery Men. Or in Dracula. I, I, the Tom Waits fan of me <laughs> should point out as well that this would have been around the time, I think, of looking for Heart of a Saturday Night. And yeah. to say that the title song of this bears more than a passing resemblance <laughs> to multiple tracks in that album, that is an understatement. Yeah, I think I think he's, he's Tom Waits has been like, that, sounds, that song sounds very familiar to me. Uh, no, it doesn't. That's it's fine. gimmick, brother. <laughs> <laughs> just like gargling hot, like ash. <laughs> um, so I've, I just got a little kind of final question. So, I'll maybe a couple of final questions on this one. Would you, obviously we talked a bit a little bit before, of course, but you would definitely recommend this movie to anyone, or just wrestling fans, but anyone yeah, because, fan of like, Stone. I think if you're looking for something that is like a like a Rocky movie, like something yeah. that's just kind of a hopeful, you know, it's it's a real Sunday afternoon movie. This oh, one. yes, yeah, yes. You want yeah, to watch yeah, this yeah. one with a cup of tea and a slice of cake and everything's <laughs> going to be okay. You know, yeah. it's not the most intellectually demanding movie of all time. I think if you go into it expecting that you're going to get like a proper, like this is wrestling told exactly as it was, it's not. But if you want to see wrestling being used, you know, as a plot device, I guess, for lack of a better term, and done so very, very well by people who do care about it. And if you're going to, you know, squawk at the movie, just remember Terry Funk is involved in this and he wouldn't, you know, he's involved in Roadhouse. So we're leaving it that level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely. (laughs) But I think this is, this is one that like, I, I implore wrestling fans, go and see this movie yeah, because I definitely. think it's a huge part of wrestling history. And for every person who's like, oh, it's Sylvester Stallone, he's just related, you know, Hulk Hogan, he did his Hall of Fame speech. It's the, no, it's the Stallone funk connection. Yes. That's the real wrestling there jam right excellent, there, baby. Excellent. <laughs> uh, so I've just a quick, quick final question. Is, so if we were to make Paradise Alley today, who would you have as Victor and who would you have as Frankie? Who are the kind of guys that you would have 
Mm. So if, if you're, if I mean, not down to a real pool of wrestlers, who would you maybe put in? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of my mind immediately says you shouldn't put a wrestler in 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 the role of uh, of, of Victor. You know, yeah. he needs to be the big, you know, kind of the outsider or something like that. You know, maybe give me one of them big galoots from developmental. Give me one of the Creed brothers or something like that. <laughs> stick him in there, like you know, where I learn how to fucking wrestle and tie yeah, his shoes yeah. at the same time. But in terms of like, who could you put in who has that? I don't know believability, and yeah. the thing is, is that I always feel like as wrestling fans, we get so hung up on what's believable to us, the last people in the world who should be asked anything believable because we view everything on the grand <laughs> spectrum that includes people yes. falling off ladders. And exactly, stuff like exactly. That. Yeah, I think it needs to be someone who, for the lay audience, could be like, "Oh, I know wrestling's not real, but that guy, he's he's one of the real ones, right?" Yes. So it's got to be like a John Moxley, I guess. Is yeah, the, yeah, yeah, and he he does know, have that kind he, of. He could cut his hair. He could gurn. He could. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. He's got that look about him. <laughs> there's almost there's almost a kind of a, an almost cartoony look about Brock as well. If you cover those yeah, tattoos definitely. as well, he's got that sort of like <laughs> that sort of like you know stupid sort of cartoony kind of fug. Okay, but that him. means we have to recast Stitch Mahone as Paul Heyman. That's the yes. only way we can do I mean, do we, can, we can definitely do that. We can definitely do that. <laughs> we don't have Joe Spinell, unfortunately, anymore as well, so we can't get him to promote <laughs> it. Um, so, yeah, that was Paradise Alley, which is, again, I recommend from, my, from myself as well. Something usually I feel as a wrestling fan now that I've I'd missed out on that, and now I'm glad I have it in my life. It's a very cosy movie. Um, like you said, obviously, Sunday movie that you talked about. Um, I think it's sure. a, really, a really good for me to check out, and Definitely, I'd recommend it thoroughly. Showtime. So, we're going to go on to your second pick. Now, we're going to talk about Rocky Free. Now, what, what made you pick this one over? It was a hard Rocky choice. Four? Very hard choice because I feel like, um, and I feel this could be taken out of context and clipped badly. But <laughs> I believe, I believe Rocky is a spectrum. You know, Rocky as a concept is a spectrum, and you can go from the truly heartwarming to the true, truly just like, it's not even an emotion anymore. It's just testosterone, isn't it? And I was very tempted by Rocky Four, but I figured I wanted to give a complete picture of the three faces of Stallone. Hence why I went with Paradise Alley to be very heartwarming. My last movie is very, very stupid and testosterone. Yes. So I thought like, what's the Rocky movie that's like right down the middle heartfelt, heartwarming, the old Rocky, you know, things that are very important. But also has a little bit of that, like, hey, Rocky, go get him, kill him, champ. It's it's Rocky Three, isn't it? Because Rocky Three has got the heart still, and there's just enough of it that feels connected to the original. Yeah. Unlike Rocky Four, which is why it's still you know absolutely great. But it's like, Adrian, why are you even here in Rocky Four? We're going off to Russia to stop the Cold War. You know, it feels like you know Adrian Bam Sheen on Factor in Rocky Four and Five. I want I want Rocky Three. You know, proudly present Rocky Three. The worst thing happened to you that could happen to any fighter. You got civilized. Get out of here, will you? The truth is, we both started out on the same corner, and I got lucky with my life, and it's driving you nuts. Philadelphia salutes its favorite son, Rocky Balboa. Why don't you tell all these nice folks why you've been ducking me? This guy is a wrecking machine. You know, you've got a big mouth. Why don't you come out and close it, Balboa? Come on. Well, I want to fight this guy. You'll fight him without me. Get out! Come on, Balboa! Balboa was a fine champion, but his time has passed. See that look in their eyes, Rock? You gotta get that look back, Rock. I the tiger, come on. I will destroy any man who tries to take what I got. <laughs> I'm gonna torture him. I'm gonna crucify him. 
real bad. For the first time in my life, I'm afraid. Damn, Ron, come on! There's nothing wrong with being afraid. You thought I was tough? This jump will kill you. You wake up after a few years thinking you're a winner, but you're not. There is no tomorrow. You're really a loser. Well, I don't believe it. There is no tomorrow. Rocky's greatest challenge to save his honor, his marriage, and his manhood against his most devastating and dangerous opponent. I'll bust you out. Go for it. Sylvester Stallone, Talia Shire, Burgess Meredith, Carl Weathers, Burt Young, and introducing Mr. T. Rocky III, an American tradition. That's where I feel like as well, Stallone had really mastered the art of being Mr. Multimedia, who's bringing in yes. Terry Bollea, who's just left a wrestling promotion and is debuting with an even bigger wrestling promotion. And as important, I'd argue more important, Mr. T, then a relative unknown, brought into the folds as Clubber Lang in this. Like This is honestly such an important movie for American pop culture that you've given us, like, there's... You know, if you're going to have a Mount Rushmore of 80s male pop culture, well, three of the faces are going to be Stallone, Hogan, and Mr. T. I would agree, in yeah, spite absolutely, of, yeah. Of what we might think in modern times. So, like, I remember I watched actually a clip of Johnny Carson recently where mm -hmm. Stallone was on there talking about this movie. And, like, you'd think the man was straight out of wrestling because he's, <laughs> he's putting over the other lads. Carson is like, who's this guy, Hulk Hogan? He's like, oh, he's this new guy, you know. 24-inch pythons. Can you believe that, Johnny? 24-inch. I've never seen a man so big. And he's just there holding court, telling everyone, get ready. He's a big star. I approve of him. And he's going to be in this movie. And you're going to fucking love him. So no wonder that all the wrestling companies had dollar signs afterwards. Absolutely, after yeah, this. yeah. Like, you know, and again, this is pre-WrestleMania. This is pre-Vince McMahon yeah. Jr. really taking full front. So the fact that he realizes that wrestling is big business before mtv even did Obviously, like, yeah 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 amazing like that's incredible as a director that's incredible and to give and to give um, to give obviously as you said yourself to give for stone to give hulk hogan the rub is a big thing at that point like it's like a major star going oh, right yeah. this guy isn't as is, this is i am the star of this that i'm a big star in this world i'm bringing this guy who's going to be a, a verified star i know it in this in your world when I put them together and we're going to make them, make this a big thing. And even Mr. T as well, like he went on to obviously be make some really great, obviously the A-Team obviously, which was a massive success, a massive pop, kind of pop, pop culture uh, stone in terms of like, you know, a touch stone in terms of, you know, going in the future. Obviously, everybody knows, if you say Mr. T, everybody knows A-Team B, Barakas, you know, yeah, does, yeah. Like, does it like going in planes, loves his milk, obviously it's always spiked. Uh, it's, you know, you, 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 these are kind of three big sort of action stars and essentially at this point coming together um, to help to make this, make this movie. Can you tell, so just to kind of go into it, can you tell me a lot about the, the synopsis of this movie? Well, the synopsis of this movie, we're following on directly from, from Rocky two, where Rocky finally becomes champion. He's champion of the world. And what I like most about this is that, you know, we're, we're kind of coming up to the cusp now of like, you know, the greed is good era and Rocky becoming champion. And it's all now suddenly it's, this 
naivety of Rocky. I think that's the real kind of thorough line because he's not a bum anymore. He's not yeah. on Skid Row. His bag is nice and safe, stowed above his overhead locker. But he <laughs> is now, because of that naivety that never went away, he's now finding there's other parts of his life that are kind of running away from him. Yes. Like the celebrity, the constant grind of being the champion, of being this public figure. And it's kind of a really, it's an interesting kind of look at how while you're on the grind and while you're just kind of pushing through and working, how even if everything can still seem the same around you, the world can kind of pass you by. Yeah. Before he knows it, his relationship with his manager is different. His relationship with his family is different. And we get one of Rocky's great crises of confidence as well, because he realizes that his entire life is kind of a sham. Like, you know, and it's, it's a scary thought that someone can turn to you you know, this is, it's only kind of come to me in my later years because when I first saw this as a kid, I was like, yeah, Rocky, get him. But like the idea that you could think you're on top of the world and someone could go, actually, you're not. You're actually doing pretty badly at the moment and you're the only one who doesn't know. That's basically everyone's worst fear professionally summed up in like one, one thought. Absolutely, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. You're not doing as well as you think you are and you're the last one to know it. And now you have to fight Clubber Lang. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so we speak about, obviously, this is three years Taking on Vince when he first fought, he fought Paul in the rematch, become the champion. Um, as he's become a big celebrity, I thought it, it was an interesting part of this, this film that I now noticed before that there's a definite parallel be, we spoke about before about Stallone becoming a kind of household name. They use that in this movie to kind of really great effect. You mm. see him on the Muppets. You see him obviously. You've got the, the pinball machine, the Rocky pinball machine in the in the arcade when Paulie's having kind of his drunk episode. Um. We see him on on in the papers and stuff like that, and him meeting celebrities and so forth. So there's a kind of a very kind of neat way of kind of showing of you know kind of putting over and kind of as a kind of gimmick. This is Stallone's rise is basically Rocky's rise, and I think that yeah. they both have a different a different parallel as as these movies you know and as Rocky become became more of a an icon in, in cinema at that point, he became more of an icon in cinema. I think it's, it's quite a good parallel there. Yeah, and I think like it's it always for me is a nice chin scratcher and makes me think about it because like you see Rocky struggle with you know the position of him being this kind of public figure and all that, and I'm sure every celebrity has their own personal and private struggles with that. But for him, it's like the thing that always reaches me is like, what does Stallone think when he sees the statue of Rocky in Philly? Because it's like that ain't the statue of you; that's a statue of yeah of a character that you portray like his, his real life Stallone it's it's actually even weirder when you think about it it's his kind of relationship to this kind of uh cultural phenomenon of the character that he played because it's not as if he hasn't got other iconic characters yeah you know course, we obviously have Rambo you mentioned Cobra earlier yes maybe not on the same level but still an <laughs> iconic character definitely absolutely they're yeah, making yeah. statues of Cobra anytime soon somehow I don't think yeah I don't think they're gonna make a statue of Barney Ross anytime soon <laughs> or, or or John Spartan. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it must be, it must be a very strange thing because I'm, I know countless people that go and go and see that statue. And it's like obviously a thing you need to go. If you're going to go to Philly, you're going to get a cheesesteak. You're going to run up the steps. You're going to see Rocky, the Rocky statue. And it's, it must be a very strange thing for it, like because obviously it's not a gimmick. It's just something for the film, and they just like melted that down. I mean, it was done. It was done. It was not a prop. It's something that's there. Permanent, it's like a big brass thing that is, that's never going to be gone. It has quite a, a checkered history. I do remember yeah. we looked into this on Cinema Swirl, 
and like it is a, a an ongoing constant battle between fans, private benefactors, and the city of Philadelphia itself. <laughs> it's a very strange thing to have, and I think that, but it, it's cool in the, in the same part of the obviously the, the Philly. But I think I'm sure Festival would rather be have just a, a one of him. But I mean, what what monstrosity would that look like really nowadays? Uh, yeah. <laughs> very strange, like for like why is there just this, also, this statue of this guy like? I'm kind of thankful as well any time where there's uh, a very physical reminder that you can separate the art from the artists. Yes, yes, absolutely. If absolutely. you're scrolling too far down Sylvester Stallone's controversy page in Wikipedia, just go look at the Rocky one instead. It's yeah, a lot less spicy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things, and it's very strange, obviously, it does, it does have this kind of like um, lineage of like strange action movie statues. Because obviously, I know, there, I know in Brussels there's a John Claude Van Damme statue. Yeah, because uh, I said to my girlfriend, I went. She, she went to Brussels. Like, can you do my favor? Could you go to the John Claude Van Damme statue and take a picture with her? She went, "Why?" And I was like, "Because, <laughs> because Why? John Claude Van Damme." Van Damme. She's like, "I don't know who that is." I went, "It doesn't matter. You don't need to know." As I cried at my pillow, my girlfriend had betrayed me. Um. Anyway, so so getting to obviously we obviously see obviously as he becomes a household name. Same times obviously we see Mr. T, uh, Clubber Lang, um, rising in the ranks, become you know number one. And sort of next to the next in line to be the come to become the, the champion and get the te- the title shot. Then we obviously see the most, I, I would arguably the most famous scene of this film is film is the charity event with, mm. and I hate saying this this name, Thunderlips, the ultimate male, uh, played by racist hot dog Hulk Hogan. That'll never get over. No, <laughs> if, yeah, yeah, like yeah. So it's a um, Thunderlips is. Maybe one of the most truly grotesque characters in wrestling history. I think possibly. <laughs> so, what did you make of this 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 meeting of of meat, essentially ultimate meatball and ultimate male? It's funny because, like you know, well, I will say Terry Bollea is no Terry Funk. You got the wrong, <laughs> you got the wrong Terry there. Yes, you absolutely. know, I'm not sure that would have been a much different movie if uh, Rocky went in there with the thumper and he started biting his ear or whatever it would have been. But I think it's quite funny because. It's the furthest things from anyone's mind, whether or not the wrestling looks good, whether yeah. the scene is believable. There's one thing about that scene, and it is literally just Stallone looking up. Yeah. I mean, like, holy yeah. shit, there he is. Look at the size of this lad. And I think it was it was one of those things where oftentimes wrestling fans are shocked to find out how legitimately tall Hulk Hogan yes. was. Absolutely, yeah. You know, he has lost inches over the years, as most people who land on their arse 20 times <laughs> uh, a year do. Yes. But he he's not particularly good at the old acting here. He's no. not. He's trying to be not Hulk Hogan, I guess, is the best way you can yeah, describe yeah, it. Yeah, I would say so. But he hasn't been given much of a memo of who else he should be. <laughs> and I always remember seeing this and thinking, like, like I remember I saw this movie the first time it would have been like maybe 16 mm. and I remember thinking how is this the thing that catapulted him to, yeah. to notoriety like how is this the thing because I thought that it was it was it was underwhelming I thought that yeah. it was bogus I thought it like I wasn't a Hulk Hogan fan but even if you were <laughs> a Hogan fan I thought there wasn't much there he didn't point he didn't pose yeah yeah but I think it it's it's interesting because what it was here it's just putting this guy over purely as a physical specimen 
so that when he tuned in to watch the wrestling show, this physical specimen, he's playing guitar, he's talking very personably, <laughs> yeah. he's beating up Iranians during the hostage crisis. You're thinking, all right, this is a pretty cool dude. So it was more like <laughs> effective, I guess, to make you curious. But this doesn't sell you on Terry Balea the way that Paradise no. Alley could sell you on like Terry Funk, for instance. Yeah, for wrestling as a whole. I, de- I definitely like I don't think this is, you know, this isn't making making you think that you know rocky balboa is going to show up in wrestling which i always thought was kind of yeah the natural thing if this happened these days yeah no we de- we, didn't end up on an episode of raw or whatever yeah that's 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 what i would say it was like definitely it would be it's very strange that he hasn't done that leap of just even just come just to appear and remember they've, they've done expendables or they were doing you know because you know, wrestling's been gone been going for you know donkey's years now especially mm. wwf as well in the 80s so you'd think you know just having him with the amount of stars you have had on, you've got your Hugh Jackman, you've got your Ar- you've Arnie, you've, you've had yeah, Arnie. Arnie's like, appeared way more times yeah, yeah, than Stallone has, uh, which is interesting, seeing as Stallone is more of the wrestling guy, yeah, I would yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, the guys are just putting him over and stuff like that. It seems strange for them to go, like, well, this guy's had us in his kind of camp in his world why can't we just have him he's just biding his time 80th birthday Stallone's going to be number 30 in the Royal Rumble (laughs) mark my words well it's not far off from fucking Ric Flair these days so um, anything (laughs) anything can happen these days if Ric Flair can have a last last match and I'm thinking at one point this point is going to be his last match literally um, we can so the big question is, how much does exactly does Thunderlips expose the business in this match? I mean, I think <laughs> they do an interesting thing because they want to kind of play, like I think because it comes later, we're in the 80s now, so yeah. obviously I think it's much different from the 70s in terms yes. of what people actually know to be real and not real, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So they kind of play off of that and the whole thing of like, yeah, Rocky's in there. I'd be like, "Hey, we'll have a little show. You dance around, I'll dance around." And then he's like, "Not, not for me, brother. That doesn't work." Which is kind of funny because you know T- Terry Belea saying that doesn't work for me, brother, is a very like true to life thing. But it would be less likely to happen in the ring and result in him shooting on you. The idea of like Terry Belea, Hulk Hogan shooting and wrestling for real, and he does that by press slamming a guy out of the ring into yeah. the crowd is hilarious to me if you know even the slightest thing about wrestling this will be like wait what and like it's only the fact that stallone's done all this other stuff that makes me go he appreciates wrestling if i just saw this i would have thought he was just cashing in on something that he thought was hot which is not really the case but that's how it comes across i think so a little bit after that we get we get obviously unveiling of the the lovely statue we talked about earlier um we find out that rocky is going to retire or tends to retire um and obviously we get a competition with Clubber Lang, obviously challenges him to a match. And this, this is the point we talked about earlier where we sort of f- find out that maybe things aren't as clear cut in Rocky's world as he thinks they are. Um they maybe uh, that things have been a little bit too easy on him. Um so obviously we find out to Mick played by Burgess Meredith that we find out obviously that he's been getting basically kind of soup can guys to they're kind of fight good fighters, <laughs> as he says, but um, to me the cans, right? I yeah. fucking love that verbiage, baby. It's an amazing, that's an amazing thing. And obviously, we t- what mentioned didn't mention in Paradise Alley was like the use of tomatoes as as beverage for women, which is a, a great thing. On, but if I call my girlfriend, that should probably kill me. So obviously, we find obviously these he's chosen fighters, you know, good fighters, but he hasn't ever been given the challenge. And this guy, well, Club Lang will give him a challenge, and might even beat him. So, um, reluctantly, Mick agrees after kind of a little bit of pleading from Rocky, and we get into kind of his match with Clubberlang, and um, after a little bit of like 
pantomime sort of um, very sensationalised gym activity from Rocky. <laughs> As he makes a sort of kind of like a big press conference where he's doing hitting the bag a little bit and he's not really bothering maybe taking this guy a little bit too um, underestimating this guy a little bit in terms of you know I'm a big star. What this guy's like? You no, know, he's good, but he's not. He's not Rocky Balboa. What was going was going to happen here? And then we realise that. Um, Pride comes before a fall as we realise that Club of Lang is just just too good. Handle destroys Rocky. It's too much boxer for Rocky to handle is yes. the problem. Yes, I think so. I think I think that's probably what the what the problem is, unfortunately. And as obviously Mick when and we see obviously unfortunately in the background in the locker room, Mick kind of passes away in and almost in Rocky's arms. Um this obviously and every time I kinda of watch this this I've watched this 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 part of this movie before, I've noticed that that, I, that obviously this is the very kind of the Rocky thing where everybody makes fun of the <laughs> kind of thing. But you do, I, and now I'm like more tuned into the sort of drama of it. I do understand that, you know, he's what he's doing for his, he's like kind of lying to, to, to Mick to say, yeah, we, we've met, we did it. It was a knockout, second round. No, I was knocked out in the second round. But, you know, <laughs> sorry, sorry you're dying. Bye. It's just, I, I think it's just it's probably one of the kind of saddest scenes. No, having been a fan of the first and the second one, and obviously kind of growing with Mick and Rocky's relationship, it's, it's quite a sad scene, would you say? Yeah, it is, because obviously, you know, real life Mer- Burgess Meredith was, was getting on in age as yes. well. And I think that is kind of one of the things that happens with Rocky is that it kind of slowly, one by one, kind of sheds these kind of links to the original. And I think there's no one that's more quite as as uh, potent as 
as as Mick uh, passing away because yes. you know that is kind of that's the whole story you kind of feel other than Rocky himself passing away it feels yes. like that is the strongest kind of yeah. connection Absolutely. to the world of boxing I guess you know so yeah. that one always gets me as well it is like yeah you know, I think it's 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 very easy just to kind of be like oh he does a silly voice or whatever it is and I'm like hey yeah. I love making fun of silly voices <laughs> all I'll ask you is that if you're watching Rocky three with someone who is emotionally invested save your impressions for afterwards yes because no one wants to have that weird argument where you're all emotional and sad and someone's making fun of your boy rocky yeah absolutely absolutely so definitely so justice for rocky so you know like when i was younger that was a funny thing but now it's like i'm just like i'm just sad sad his friend is gone I'm just, it's just it's a very sad sad scene um so a little bit after that we obviously get apollo coming to rocky offer some i'm gonna train you i'm gonna train you we're gonna beat this guy this time um, and we obviously get a little bit of the case of faith a little bit in terms of talk with Adrian. We obviously find out obviously he's quite scared, he's actually scared of, of losing. Um, but thankfully, Adrian opens his eyes, specifically his eye of the tiger. And we have, you know, the big, <laughs> we get the montage scene um, with the, the very kind of tiny shorts and tiny shirts running across the beach. But there's a, there's a reason, <laughs> there's a reason for the tiny shorts and shirts and that's because he's cutting weight. Right, okay, and that's interesting. This was, I re- remember as a kid, this being like a big light bulb moment for me because like I was just one of those kids where like weight meant nothing to me. It was like, yeah. if he's 400 pounds, he's hard to slam in the N64 wrestling game. God, <laughs> that's the only thing weight meant to me. But the idea that you could lose weight and therefore yeah. become a more effective fighter because you would have more speed and be more nimble. Yes. And then trying to train Rocky to do these things that he can't normally do. And I don't know about you, but anytime I see Rocky in the pool, it just gives me big Bret Hart. You oh, know, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yes, Brett yes, Trying yes. to, you know, train. <laughs> and it's like, look, this is hard. It may look like a man not swimming very well, but it's actually very hard. And yeah, he'll yeah. have the last laugh when he's got cardio <laughs> later on. <laughs> And you do, you do, you do see like a massive transformation in terms of the way he looks. You know, the beginning of the movie, you know, to when he has his last fight with Club Lang, he looks very kind of lean, very shredded, a lot slimmer and quicker, and like kind of wiry. Now, there's obviously a different change in that, which I, w- I was really impressed by when you see kind of him take off the robe at the kind of end. You go, oh, this work is he has worked. He's he's done everything with Apollo, and now he's this is all paying off now. And yeah, I mean that that shouldn't be ignored as well. I guess yeah, you know because. Yeah. I feel like in wrestling, if a wrestler shows up and suddenly they're in much different shape and you see them and they've like transformed their body, we're very quick to be like, oh my God, wow. But like, if an actor does that, very often the reaction is like, why did you do that? (laughs) There's so many, there's so many comedians in particular where it's like, look at me, I'm the biggest man in the world now. I'm like, cool, I guess, you know, that's (laughs) good for you. But like, I think it's very impressive that Rocky, you know, as the character, he takes it seriously, Stallone as the actor and as the director, it's very important for the movie. And it wouldn't have made any sense for you to do all that unless it's like, hey, do you want to go and drastically change your body and i remember watching that carson interview from around this time that i mentioned i'd watched a feature on him in paradise alley from like the late 70s and like he looks like two different people like he's he looks so he's longer leaner you know he just he's so svelte and i feel like that's got to take a toll on the old body of course everybody being impressive but going from size a to size b and if i remember rocky four he's pretty much a tank again like he doesn't stay as you know, streamlined, svelte Rocky. No, he's, he's, de- he's definitely the kind of, as obviously we spoke about before, that Rocky Four kind of ups the, 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 the machismo 
So there is it's gonna he's, he's also sure. fighting, fighting a, <laughs> a fighting a huge Russian guy. So the kind of the, the pounds get kind of put back on, the, the the mask gets put back on to to be the you know, he needs to kind of there's different kind of of these stages of this film. And obviously this film is it's all about speed, it's all about ma- not getting hit as much in the ring. There's obviously a lot more kind of technical ability that he gets from just being from Mickey was obviously just dealing with being the punching power this time, it's obviously its movement and so forth, which I think is an, an interesting sort of arc, you know, if it kind of dips and falls as, as if kind of films go on and stuff. There's there's, there's a, a process to it and, a, and certainly a, and a, it's definitely kind of a, an advantage to what he has in this movie than he has obviously previously. But um, so in terms of the, 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 the match, obviously we see obviously um, using all the things he's learned from Apollo a lot more quicker. He's like now slowing and obviously trying to slow down Clubber Lang. We can make make mistakes. Um, we do see him get beat up a lot, and obviously you know Paulo and Polly are you know going nuts, thinking what's he doing? What's he doing? He's completely fucking the plan up. But obviously Rocky knows what he's doing, and obviously gets gets. It's the, the Homer Simpson defense, is what yes, he's doing. Yes, yes, he knows yes, exactly <laughs> how to get him. <laughs> just I'll just stand here and just get like battered. At some point, he's gonna go oops, and then like I get in there and I'm like, so it's it's an interesting. Um, uh, plan, I would say, to to, to I love the the use of slow motion in this fight. I think yes. is what sets it apart. You know, there's that really great shot where he proper reels back. Uh, Clubber Lang is coming yeah, for him. It's just amazing. like again, I don't think it is quite boxing. I I kind of I've always blamed the fact that I've never been able to watch boxing and enjoy it. I've always blamed it on Rocky because I'm expecting to get this kind of like snappy stage fight, and instead I yeah. get like. You know, people gave it the system <laughs> trying to accrue points or just survive or just, you know, you know, make enough appearances so they'll get their sponsorship money or whatever it is. And you don't hear that. Or they say something horrible on the microphone. But yeah, like you, you, yeah, yeah, here, yeah. I mean, it, it ain't boxing, but I think this is probably my favorite fight in the in the Rocky movies. Yes, because yes. whatever it is, this weird collection of sound effects, quick cuts <laughs> and slow-mo. It's very fun to watch, although I will yeah. say it is not remotely like I would assume any sort of fighting we would get. I don't know. I'd love to see a UFC fight cut like this, where it's like you, know, you put the dush, 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 over every punch. That needs to happen. You know, I'm sure crazy it has a- angles. Something must have done. And obviously, I'm, I'm, I, my family are very much into boxing and so forth. So I, I kind of I've kind of grown up. But my granddad really been a big fan of Tyson and um, Rocky Marciano and stuff like that. So I've, I've watched those tapes when I was younger. You know. When I was being babysat, so that was something I've. And then obviously, then watching the Rocky films and seeing, even as a young girl, going like kid, going, what? It doesn't seem seem as as you know glamorous and and these in these Tyson mm. fights as it does in um, these Rocky fights. But it's, it's I think this probably it would be. I think after watching this movie, it's definitely maybe have a more appreciation for this one over the forefront we talked about before. That's this is yeah. definitely sort of the. the the perfect mix, the potent mix of, you know, the, yeah, the this, macho. Yeah, this and, is the one that shows you can have your cake and eat it. You can yes. be macho, as you say, but also give you a little bit of, of something heartfelt. You yeah, know? Absolutely, absolutely. I think this was the issue, though. We are running out of people to kill in Rocky's <laughs> world at this point now. Yeah, so obviously we, we've, there's a kind of through line through this training montage that we have before up leading up to the match that we have a favour that Apollo wants. Um, so we get to this, obviously, after, as the match ends, obviously as a big... And he beats Clubber Lang, and we get that rematch in the form of Paulo and and Rocky having their one last match in the gym. Ding uh, ding, which is like <laughs> which it kind of freeze frames into sort of weird sort of Jackson Pollock Pollock s painting, and we obviously get Eye the Tiger plays us out. And um, so we would just say in terms of the Rocky movies, this kind of ranks 
in terms of you take your Rocky oh, movies and as a whole. I mean, I'll always hold Rocky two and Rocky one together as being like kind of equally perfect. Yes. If I'm you know gun to my head, I'm going to say Rocky two. Yeah. I would probably say if if it comes after that, it's going to be Rocky three. I think yeah. because. It, but that doesn't take away from it. I mean, I'm just saying that because that one flavor of ice cream, which is the kind of like there is a Rocky movie, I love it because it's it's a romantic yeah. movie. It was yes. actually the first movie I remember watching, and at the end of it, being like, "Oh, that's sweet." Like I don't think I'd ever thought that about a movie like ever before. Which that was really funny when I first met Joe, and I was like, "Oh, I'm going to show her how romantic I am. Come watch Rocky with me." And she's like, <laughs> What are you talking about? I'm like, no, you have to see. Yeah, He's just, shy in a pet shop. It's romantic. So, like, the fact that I prefer that type of a vibe, and I'm not the big boxing head, so I guess yeah. it'll always take precedent. But if someone says, hey, I want to watch a, you know, high-octane sports action movie, there's nothing else I'll give them other than Rocky Three. Yeah. Maybe Rocky Four. I think I think this one, as we spoke about before, is 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 it's got a good blend. It's got the drama, it's got the kind of mm. the the macho stuff, it's got the kind of big training montages. It's it's sort of almost the kind of perfect Rocky movie because I think four goes far, leans far too much into the macho message of the you know, America fighting Russians and the Cold War and it's we're doing it for America and it's all kind of like is America, 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 America. If like it should just be called Rocky yeah. Four, America. Because like you've got to get the <laughs> Apollo, like I'm at the living in America, and it's like it's, it's very, very, very pro in the USA kind of. It's very rah rah rah. Yeah, it's sure. just coming off the Fourth of July yesterday. It's, it's that would say if you want to watch a Fourth of July movie, watch that, and obviously then watch Uncle Sam by Wayne Lissick, which is an amazing horror movie about Uncle Sam. But so yeah, <laughs> I, I, again, I think this is watching it again. I think this has been a great appreciation in terms of enjoying this movie. Definitely to point out there because uh, the the soundtrack for Rocky has always been great, but Rocky three and Rocky four once they oh, get yes. that synth going in there, let me tell Absolutely. you, you could do a lot worse <laughs> than listen to the score from Rocky three. And there's a good ass soundtrack if you, right if there. Get, if you get in the gym, you want to watch. So just to tell people listeners at home, I was just showing Kevin. I've got the Survivor Eye the Tiger from Rocky Fight from Rocky three. It's got like little tiger stripes on. It's very cute. Um, Amazing. It's on, on vinyl there, which is cool. Um, but yeah, as I say, if you ever want to listen to something in the gym, you want to get yourself pumped up, you want to go on a big walk. That's the way to go. You're going to go to Asda, <laughs> put on the old Bill Conti. <laughs> do the big shop. Yeah, do the big shop down at Asda, down at Lidl. Come on, you bastard! Uh, so we're now going to go into your last pick. Um, so can you introduce what your last pick is? So the last pick, I wanted to pick something that was very gratuitous, very over the top, and pretty much summed up you know, a lot of what I was watching when I would have been, you know, kind of my final years of university, very early 20s, you know, I was a aficionado of what I called absolute gold. So if it had an <laughs> aging 90s or 80s action star on the front cover, you better believe I was going to find out all about it. Sorry, what's that, Steven Seagal? Only one man can stop the Yakuza? Is it you? <laughs> well, I better, I better find out then, shall I? And yeah, this is in the days when there was still a blockbuster, you know, going yeah. around. And I had heard through the grapevine that this kind of dream movie was being made with Stallone at the helm, and he was basically asking any swinging dick in Hollywood who wanted another payday, <laughs> "Do you want to be in my silly movie called The Expendables?" The only life they've ever known is war. The only loyalty they've ever had is to each other. 
Got the four on the left. Why don't you take the two on the right and leave the rest? You're not that fast anymore. Oh, here we go. The only thing faster is... Light. Exactly. We'll see. Well, I got three pieces of work. Two will walk in the park and one to hell and back. So, we are working for the agency. I gotta recon this island first. The only thing you need to know is the job's real and the money's real. Give this job to my friend here. He loves playing in the jungle. Right? Right. It's his problem. Was that the contact? Follow me, please. People who fight back are killed. Now you have a dying place. Maybe you can help. I don't think so. How you I'd leave. What's wrong with this picture? Everything. We don't have the manpower, the firepower. We'd be dead in the water. Great. They got a small army. What do we got? Four and a half men. <laughs> Not so funny. It's not easy being your friend. We will kill this American disease. I promise myself I'm gonna die for something counts. People live through terrible times, but you must believe you can survive. Ten seconds, you won't believe what's gonna happen. What happened to you? I got my ass kicked. I, again, like, it's one of these things that I only appreciate now in retrospect, but this, I think it was 08 when Expendables actually came out. Yeah, I think, I think, I think maybe yeah. 09, I think it came out, no, it's the third one. Yeah. The second one came out in 12, about, uh, Yeah, they, 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 they started pumping them out after that, but like, I remember the first one came around, like, just immediately, me and, like, there was 10 lads who I would be watching DVDs with, you know, we'd go out drinking and we'd go back and we'd watch a, an action movie. And, like, everyone straight away was texting everyone going, like, have you seen what they're doing? Have you, have you read Hot Dog Magazine? Have you heard the latest? <laughs> and, like, it was an, one of the few times I could remember at the cinema in the mid-2000s of it being, like, event cinema where, like, a big busload yes. of us came up going, great. And we were there with our checklists ready to see... <laughs> Who it was Statham, great, he's there, you know, Schwarzenegger, you better show up if you dare. Where's Ventura? <laughs> Where's Stone Cold Steve Austin? Like we were yeah. absolutely catered to. And I think for a man who was in his sixties at the time, realizing that nostalgia was a very profitable well for him mm. to throw his bucket in and not do it in a way that seemed tragic or sad. Yes, yes. It seemed like them trying a bit too hard. But they put, it was a big success. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. in spite of the fact that I think the movie's at best grand, yeah. I've seen all of them, and I've, you know, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's held the torch lit. And I remember like every time one of these movies would come out, I'd be like, ah, I knew you'd be in it, Segal, you prick. <laughs> ah, like you know, everyone one by one being like, yeah, I'll do the cool nostalgia. Yeah, thing, yeah, I guess. yeah, yeah. Always, <laughs> always brought a smile to my face, and I just think. That must have been the most impossible thing in the world to throw together. Because anytime I've covered any of those action stars on Cinema Swirl, I'm always quick to tell Sam about the tall tales, the ridiculous <laughs> stories about Jean-Claude, about Seagal, yeah, about yeah. all these people who just had, you know, 
eyes bigger than their stomach in terms of their ego, for Absolutely. lack of a better term. And can you imagine like trying to get all these ads to sit around the table and like it's like two wrestlers who've got big egos trying to decide who hits who first, yeah, decide yeah, who gets to kill who and all that. On and then Austin breaks Stallone's neck on set. I read yeah. about that in Empire. Yeah, I'm getting my tickets. <laughs> Who's going to do yes, the job? Please. Who's going to do the job, brother? That's what you always want about. Uh, yeah, it's like it, it's as as somebody's obviously grown up myself and obviously with nineties action movies, eighties action movies. You know, I was. A very young age, watching Seagal movies, watching Out for Justice, watching Predator, watching The Terminator, watching Commando. Um, I've got to see these movies now in the cinema, which is you know been re released. They're no, they get no less of a, a lesser pop than they did when I was a younger person. I fucking love them still. And when I again like yourself, when I heard about this, I was like, shoeless camp. This is like just this is sort of like when I used to like read Wizard. And read about comic books, and you think, oh, they're, they're going to make this massive. Like, imagine a movie with like, oh, like Steve Seagal and like Matt Chuck Norris and fantasy book. Just like, it's, 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 it's proper <laughs> fantasy. It's like, as if like, it's like this is this is a movie equivalent of playing with your toys, where Wolverine would yes. fight the Terminator, and you'd have all your X Men fighting, you know, your wrestlers and stuff like that, and you know, Bravo's fighting, you know, whoever who's doing the job today. It was just it was um, an amazing thing that you got to you, you that's even happened. Not only that they've made three of them and now gonna make four a fourth one. Yeah. It's mad. It's I just know. it's such a mad thing to happen and it's just Hollywood going, Well, nostalgia's like I like say a big thing right now. Let's just like pump cash into this and give whoever they want to have on and let, let Stallone have his kind of free oh. reign in terms of getting his friends, getting the Planet Hollywood yeah. guys together again. I think what was all interesting about it was like you know, it was done very tongue firmly in cheek, and I would mm. almost say it was to a fault. There's one thing I don't like about the movie is the fact that they're starting off a little bit like, oh, really? Like, there's, there's a little <laughs> bit like they're a little bit too self aware. It's like, all right, Jason Statham, you're not quite that big of a deal. Yeah, just yes, yet yes, in yes, yes, yes. The transport wasn't but that good, mate. Come on, like, <laughs> <laughs> you've not given me crank two yet. Slow your roll. <laughs> but like the fact that reviewers still were like well the story leaves a lot to be desired and certainly the casting is li- and what like review it for what it is yes. and what it is is like a not particularly good balls to the wall silly action movie all-star experience yes it is true it's it ain't super smash bros no but it's not playstation all-stars battle royale either it well, is a, a decent pill. enough punch <laughs> <laughs> and it's and it, it does as we'll go into a little, in a little bit it it does remain very fan servicey. It does kind of oh, cater yeah. to that. Is like we know our audience; they want to hear everybody say their 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 catchphrase. Now that's that's more. It's not as much in this movie. A little bit more in the two and three when we get a little bit more. Yes, a little more catchphrase. Yeah, a little bit more catchphrase heavy. We obviously we've got Arnie and I'm back stuff like that. Um, a little bit kind of no, a little bit smaller noise to it, and we'll get we'll get into it in a second. Um, so we kind of get this big kind of epic sort of scene at the beginning where we're getting introduced to Expendables, introduced to Barney and Christmas and Gunner and Jet Li's character. Um, massively racist from the beginning, oh, of course. He's there yeah, me. that's what we'll talk about a little, little bit as well. Look, he doesn't play a big huge part in this. It seems that he has it are cool, but they, again, he's kind of a little bit of a 
an afterthought so is Randy Couture I think as well in this movie but oh god uh, Randy Couture's in it yeah yes I mean that's, that's, that's a big Hollywood career working out for Randy uh, <laughs> Scorpion King like this was uh... yeah Scorpion King 3 not making making bank these days oh Jesus Christ <laughs> Randy what are you doing yeah Randy like straight to DVD the Mark Dacascos of the, the late aughties so obviously we get obviously we get introduced to obviously the Expendables they're taking over rescuing some um Hostages from Somali pirates, I think, or certainly pirates. It was big in the noughties, Somali pirates. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't, couldn't move for want of Somali pirates <laughs> in your media back in 08. No, it's your Tom Hanks movie. You've got your your Expendables. <laughs> You've got your On the News. I'm the captain now, all that kind of palaver, all this stuff. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we've, I see we've, we've obviously got this the start, and obviously we get introduced, obviously, to the Barney and Chris's little relationship going. Obviously, they think there's a little bit of banter going. Jason T- team gets a text. Can we tell a little bit of about obviously when we see the plane scene? Um, Barney Ross is, like dr- is drinking while he's driving a plane, which I think is a bit strange and a bit dangerous. Cool. Very cool. cool. I'm I guess a he is expendable. <laughs> well, he will be expendable if he, drives, if he fucking carts that plane in the mountain or something. Um, <laughs> uh, obviously, we get obviously get a little bit of a meet up with Mickey Rourke, who looks like a Mike Myers character. He doesn't look like a real person. I don't I think I just like, love as well Mickey Rourke was like, you know what, I nearly won an Oscar for the wrestler. Ah fuck it, I'll do the expendables now. Yeah, might as well just do it now. So he gives it he gives them their their kind of new contact for a bigger uh, mission. We find out obviously this is the first cameo of the night, Bruce Willis as Church, or Mr. Church as he calls himself. Um him and Barney have a little bit of a, a wait for their other contact, other guys interested in taking the job on. And who do we get? We get Arnie. And this is obviously hey, a, a big cameo. This so they, was very smart. Like you get a little yeah. cameo here that sends you up for the sweet, sweet full Arnie experience later on down the line. Yes. A special shout out as well to The Escape Plan, not directed by Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> but, uh, That's a good movie. Uh, That's a good if, movie. if you thought those two might have a bit of charisma, you'll be sorely mistaken when you check out Escape Plan. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's not much charisma in that movie. I can say that, but it's a good movie. I like the good, the good movie. Um, we get a lot of, of as I say, fan service. Um, Arnie talks about how Barney Ross likes to play in the jungle. Uh, we get Bruce Willis's gro- groaner line of like, "What's up with that guy? He wants to be president." Um, so that's a little bit, a little bit, like, a little wink, a little bit of a wink to the camera. Like they may as well just be like, "Eh, eh." He was a governor, yeah. He's a governor, remember, remember? Remember he wouldn't he would ramble. Did they know that he would just go back to making movies. That would it's be like, the extent of I, it. I've done what that, that that you know, polity shit. I go back to making movies. That's that's in Russian. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we then obviously we get a little bit interested in our, our main sort of heels of the film. Uh we've got Eric Roberts, we've got Angel from Dexter, um, playing sort of the most like boring sort of general. I think we've ever had in our lives. And who do we get? We get our favourite, Stone Cold. He's here. Oh, hell yeah. It's Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now, um, Steve Austin is one of those people where the less he talks about something, the more you know he's not particularly thrilled about something. <laughs> and all I'll say is Steve Austin, in the hundreds of hours of his recorded podcast, has been relatively succinct when talking about his filming on this i remember he was like a number one with a bullet the number one guy we wanted to see in this movie because we'd seen him on an episode of chuck we wanted to know what the big man could do on a hollywood (laughs) film screen and i think that austin he does pretty well he was cast appropriately as the menacing kind of uh number two the 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 henchman type who's kind of 
you know, a, a violent, short-tempered, you know, guy who's going to go solve his his problems with his fists. Yeah, Austin as a leading <laughs> man is probably not as fruitful an endeavor for him. No, I don't. I think I think he's strongly in the henchman sort of maybe buddy cop sort of movie. And we could have him in. He doesn't talk a lot in this movie as well. He's, he doesn't have a line until maybe sort of very late on, and he's he's very strong, silent type in this movie. Until well, I want to know Dolph, your uh, thought on this. You you break the director's neck in a fight scene. That's gonna have repercussions. Yeah, somewhere yeah. down the line. I'm just gonna maybe do it's some that wrestling uh, brain on me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna like slowly just get we rubber into your your lines here, Steve. That's not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not better about it at all. I'm like absolutely fine. My neck's fine. Neck but brace. no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Actually, in my neck brace, I'm actually fine. I'm just, just that these these lines don't really. I think you're more a sil- strong silent type. We'll just have you. Yeah. Maybe a few lines and and oh yeah, you die really horribly in this movie. Yeah. Um, before before he <laughs> broke his neck, there was a scene where he said, "Oh hell yeah!" He gave. Oh stone. yes. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Stone Cold Stunner. He drove a pickup <laughs> truck. He did all this stuff. All cut. All cut. I mean, it, it does call somebody a piece of trash, which I think is quite. Think, <laughs> yes. think it's like as as much Steve Austin as we're really going to get. I wanted him to see what, what when he's asking people stuff. Is that a lot to ask for? I don't <laughs> think so. Um, so yeah, we obviously we get obviously a little bit about kind of recon from Sly and Steve. Um, there's a big fight scene. Obviously, we get obviously them flinging knives about. Even like even. For some reason, Jason Stephen flings a knife when it's somebody's like literally right beside him. I just could have just, just do that, and it's just like reach his hand and like knife him, but throws it anyway. So that's fine. That that's is fine. one <laughs> thing about this movie that I think was at the time disappointing, but I guess maybe if I, you know looking back at it is in the grand scheme not as big a deal. But I was thinking that we would get more action scenes shot in the style of the 80s or 90s, you know, yes. those kind of older styles. But they very much were presenting this as, you know, if you went and saw a Fast and Furious movie in 2008, the action would have been presented pretty much the same yes, way. Yes, I would say it's so. Your, your quick cuts, your kind of shaky cam here and there. It's, it is using these people, but it is very much giving you a 2008 movie, you yeah. know? I always thought this could have been a script that was sitting, you know, for Bruce Willis or whoever to do with a no-name cast. And yeah. someone was like, hey, yeah. Sly, you could direct this with a bunch of big names if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah, all right, go on, bring in the gang. I think it's like that. And I've, I think it's also, the thing that surprised me most about this film is that as it, as it is, it, it is a 90s as it wants to be, it does, it relies a lot on CGI blood and very yes. Wolverine origin yeah. style with CGI, where it's like, it's for almost sure. very yeah. like fake cartoony blood. It's not like, when there's blood sparks, it looks like, you know, like as if somebody takes Avery drawn it. It's like a very, like, it's very, very, like, um, pantomime sort of. Uh, when you think of they would rely on sort of squibs and practical effects to make it as much as easy mm. and machismo as it could be. But for some strange reason, I suppose you see yourself, it's, it's these kind of Fast and Furious type moves that these are kind of lend themselves to. It's almost cartoony a little bit. Of yeah, points, yeah, it's yeah. definitely, it's, it's lending to that sort of like late kind of 2010 sort of idea of like mm, different for sure action for movies sure. not it's not as you know as as leaning as, as it could be um so obviously we get obviously a little bit about obviously james Dayton of kills obviously tries to kill his ex-girlfriend's boyfriend he's throwing knives on the basketball court um and then we obviously get a little Classic. bit about we get reintroduced almost to to jet lee's kind of as he'd been a bit of an afterthought in this movie but he comes back for a little bit of a fight scene with Dolph Lundgren, which i thought was really quite cool Cool scene. Do yeah, as I see Dolph Lundgren, the uh, chemical engineer, get another <laughs> shake at the stick. Although you would have thought, oh, this is a comeback from him. No, he never went away. You know, Dolph Lundgren has got a filmography 
longer yes. than wow. most constitutions. That man has been working over the years, let me tell you. Not as, not as big as Eric Roberts with his 694, but certainly... Wow! <laughs> that's, that's an, 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 Amazing. I, I got into a very big argument about that, but that's very, a very strange amount of, amount of things. But that guy loves to um, make movies, it seems, or be on camera. <laughs> he just loves films, just, that's just, all. A, just a great, big, very vain person. Uh, sorry, Roberts, if you're hearing this, obviously, a big listener, of course. Um... So we obviously we get to our, our, our super um, big fight scene and we've got the kind of Bobo, Jesse Ventura and Derry, Terry Crews because he's got the big gun, the big, very, very, very loud gun. I remember watching this for the first time going, Jesus Christ, what the f-? That's like, the, it's almost like the, the big midi gun in Predator. He's got the kind of huge sort of shotgun. It's just like, it's this very ostentatious, loud, bombastic gun. That just destroys everything, and now the other guys like, what the? Why the fuck have you got that gun? We've got tiny. Even like Stallone's got a tiny sort of like rifle, and he's got this like massive like like the most macho See, no, gun ever. This, this this posed questions for me at the time because you know, 08 would have been kind of when Call of Duty was really entering its own as like kind of yes. one of the main things that everyone played, and you know, everyone became fucking gun mad in my circles for a brief period of time, and then thankfully grew out of it. And I never really wanted to be the person who wants to learn about guns or know about guns because I could care less about guns. Yes, absolutely. But there is a very tiny part of me that really wants to know big silly guns like Terry Cruz's gun here. Is there like a market for those still? Like, do, do they get yeah, made? Strange. Were they ever made? Are they real or are they like kind of laser guns? Like, is the <laughs> minigun ever actually been used by an official yeah. military group ever? Is what I want to know. Or is it something that was just made for Quake mods? Who yeah, knows? yeah. I think, I think, I think. I don't. I can't imagine anyone in the army has got that gun. I can imagine some some wild wild person in you know bumfuck nowhere. Has got a gun like that Probably. just for for just for like Possibly. shooting shooting yeah. pigeons or rats or something, but I don't think anyone who's trying to be stealthy or trying to go into a war zone has got a gun that quite that kind of ostentatious as that. All right, that lads, let's get the mini guns out of the hands of the TA for now, okay? Until they've completed their weekend away course. We get ultimate carnage, obviously explosions everywhere. We get a much kaboom. Um, this final scene of the movie because you're kind of bathed in an orange light for a good two thirds. Yes, yes, it's a it's very it's a very well lit movie. This a very well lit <laughs> war scene. Um, we get Stone Cold and Randy fighting off on the the CGI fight. I thought it was a strange a strange choice to have Stone Cold fight Randy Couture, even though I know those those guys are wrestlers, so to speak. Um, I thought I he was think that's what, very much like a non wrestling fan's idea of like a dream confrontation. Like I bet Stallone thought he was doing both the wrestling and the mixed martial arts world, a massive favor by putting the MMA versus the wrestler uh, main event here. No, actually. And if you're directing a movie, don't have the only two bold white lads face off against each other. Yeah. Maybe well, put Jason in there so you give a three-way. Yeah, yeah. So that's what you want. But I mean, Randy has a hat on it, so it's actually okay. There's a lot of like, it's a lot of, you can, <laughs> you just got kind of nice wee sort of bucket hat on, it's fine, so we can differentiate yeah, That was actually CG'd in afterwards. Yeah, that's like what it was, Cavill's yeah, yeah, mustache, yeah. you know, lots yeah, of exactly. reshoots. For exactly, the, exactly, the exactly. <laughs> I just, um, and, you know, again, I may speak to you if you, you're talking about obviously stolen, but he can, like, um, awesome breaking Stallone's neck maybe he's like I'm not fighting that guy I'm not, I'm not going anywhere near him now you fight him Randy it's yeah. fine you can have them I know you're, you've been you've already you're, yeah more used to it like yeah you know? you're, you're used to it you can, you can have another cauliflower ear that's your other two you've got already <laughs> uh, and obviously we can I end obviously with Eric Roberts master of cinema Eric Roberts um, facing off with Stallone which I thought was like an interesting kind of find so we get a little bit of a quick draw and obviously Stephen's getting flings you know gunners knife right him in the back 
And obviously we get the kind of big, lovely ending with them in the bar. Um, and obviously the big sort of Jesus hey, there's of, going to be loads more of these. It's basically, like, is what listen, they tell you at the end. Like. This, this isn't this isn't just the last one. Wink. There may be more if you give us money. Wink. It's literally you know, the comic. Who do you want to see next? With, event with the Expendables box set on DVD, going. I don't know, guys. <laughs> you want us to have this? Uh. Merchandise. Come on, you guys. You can do like Sons of Anarchy are good. We've all got bikes. Come on, guys. Yeah. So it's it's. And I mean, I, again, obviously, what would you recommend this movie? In terms of, the- I mean, I I recommend this movie in terms of like, you know, it, it is it is a cash in that has very much picked its audience and is very confident yes. in what they're doing. But I think also as well, it's just slightly badly made enough that there is a good bit of sport in watching it and kind of picking apart, yeah, you because know, you've all these people who would usually be the the center of attention, the focus. Yes. You know, you've got around five or six people here where their gimmick is, well, they're not a great actor, but usually we surround them by people who can kind of help yeah. them. And then you've got Mr. Roberts there basically doing that for like <laughs> Stone Cold, Randy Couture, Jason yes. Statham, yes, you know, yeah, yeah. Jet Li. You've got all these people <laughs> who aren't that great all trying to hold each other up. So it's very much a house of cards. Yes, absolutely. As an action movie, it is a little bit lacking. I would probably yeah. say Expendables 2 or 3 is probably better. I would say so. But like... Watching this and seeing clearly that certain people were meant to fit into roles and then decided they didn't want to do it or yeah. they couldn't convince someone to do a big enough bit, it is interesting in that sense. Like I think these are very watchable, mindless. You've had a few drinks <laughs> and you want to watch a movie with your very well-advised late-night pizza that you've ordered yes, for some reason. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. If you're having a second dinner, you might as well watch Expendables <laughs> is what I'm saying. Absolutely. So we've got... Obviously, we talked a little bit earlier about Expendables 4 coming out. Who would you have? Now, obviously, we're not going to top having Fraser himself, Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> um, and, 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 and a dumb action movie. I don't know why. Would, are we going to bring in Niles next? I wonder. Um, oh, man. That would, that's that's I mean, a get. I think I think that's a get. So who would you like to see in, in Expendables 4? Who have we not I mean, seen? Who thinks it, because it, who have we not seen is the question. Who's a decent hand at action who's not actually been in there yet? I mean, I'd probably go someone with like a Jared Butler, you oh, know? Yeah, yeah, wow, like that's good one. Yeah, yeah. He's, he could be good as a villain who's kind of a known enough name but doesn't seem to be hung up on being like, I have to come across as like the cool guy or whatever yeah. it is. So I'd probably stick him in there as well, but... It does make me kind of think about like the next generation of action stars because the only names I could think of are Cena and The Rock, and I feel they might be a bit rich for for yeah, their blood. So. You I know, think, I don't I think. So. <laughs> I think. I think. I, I, I've always kind of talked about bringing Carl Weathers into it, obviously bringing Apollo Creed. Yes, that's I think a that's a kind of good thing. Yes. I think that's a kind of we have to have them. Even a little kind of cameo, like he has in obviously The Mandalorian, yeah. a little bit of a kind of maybe a. A kind of officer kind of guy. He or? still has it from having seen The Mandalorian recently. He still got that oh, definitely, voice. Yes, he absolutely, still yes. has that presence. that presence about him absolutely. for sure. I think even even Mr. But T. I think I I like Mr. T for sure. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. if he hadn't passed away, Rowdy Roddy Piper would have been. Oh a perfect, wow, yeah, uh, definitely, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. As well. But like, I think as they're all getting older, 
Yes. It's not the worst thing in the world for there to be this kind of recurring series, like a Legends show for wrestling. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Age and action stars. I don't want to see fucking Dolph Lundgren out there trying to do a 90-minute movie on his own. Come no, on now, no, Dolph. No, 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 no. Let's, it's, no. Well, go in and give me 10 solid minutes in The Expendables yes. 5. Grand, sure. You know, that's and I, I kind of that's the reason I wanted to pick it, is I like the idea of this kind of easy payday for these guys who, <laughs> not to the extent of wrestlers, but... They have sacrificed their bodies and, yes. to an extent, oh, their yeah, yeah, minds yeah. to this very weird world of action movies. And I feel that Stallone, you know, Arnie sure as sugar wasn't going to do it. It says a lot <laughs> that Stallone was the guy who's like, yeah. I want to give Dolph Lundgren a payday. Not many people would give the evil Russian a payday, but he did. It's <laughs> a good hand. He's, good. He's, he's, he's very much the dusty roads of, of the wrestling, of the movie yeah, world. Yeah, for movie sure. World. Yeah, definitely like um, a guy that's going to... And be, again, like, as, a, as a director, can you imagine trying to get all these people together and like figure yeah. this whole thing out? Like, and make it Lord. work as well and make it work and make these, these egos because yeah. these guys still have egos. As much as we talk about Arnie, how, how he's a humanitarian now, if you get him on the screen, he still wants to be that big guy. And oh, for him yeah, to be, he still wants to be Arnie. Yeah, have the humility of just being like a cameo guy. So it's, it's very interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing who, I think the, the, the excitement of Expendables is finding out who the next guys are going to be. They're, they're yes. going to get in. It is. That is always the excitement, along with watching a movie where every single person, regardless of the number of lines they have, believe that they secretly are the real star of the yes, film. Absolutely. I'm, 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 I should be top villain, but I'm only just doing it because I'm a nice guy and gracious, you know. I'm just I'm, I'm a good hand. <laughs> okay, so can wrapping up a little bit, we're just going to come on to the last part of the podcast where I'm going to ask you, as you pre off your pre to the podcast, to pick a piece of a soundtrack that you like to be played out on um so can you tell me a lot about what you've chosen and why so i've chosen the theme song from the original taking of pelham one two three and i've chosen this because my very 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 first kind of i guess you could call it a podcast we didn't call them back that in 2006 but i used to do the film review show where i inherited the film review show for my student radio station uh, flirt fm and nui galway and i would say any would-be aspiring podcasters out there find your <laughs> local community radio station or your local university radio station volunteer all the training i've ever received i received from there and i remember hearing the song and thinking immediately well the song that cool i can host anything mm. and then i went and i watched the movie afterwards it's one of my favorite movies of all time i loved it so much i even went and i saw the stupid remake Travolta, <laughs> that you and i were laughing yeah, about yeah, in, our, in our twitter yeah. mentions the other day there so it's the taking a pelham one two three soundtrack it's very important to me because it's great music and it reminds me of how i first got into this gig and I also want to say a huge thank you, Larry, for having me on. This has been no, an absolute hoot and a holler. I don't always get to talk about film you know, directors. I get to talk about films from this kind of point of view. And I've had a lot of fun with this. And I think this is a really cool idea for a show. So thank you so much for having me on. Well, thank you for Kevin. It's, it's been an honor having you on. I've, I've been a big fan of yours. And you're somebody I look, uh, pairs I look up to in the podcast world, obviously. Um, not to kind of butt your buns a little bit, but um, I'm obviously a big wrestling fan. And here, you guys talk so passionately about wrestling and Simon Swirl went out to. And like, I think it's an amazing um, experience to have you on and obviously to, to speak and have a laugh with you. So thanks again for coming and um, we'll see you down the road. All right. Thanks so much for having me. See you again. There you go. Bye bye. <laughs>